It's Friday, September 23rd, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Monkey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. It feels good to be a gangster. A real gangster ass nigga plays his cards right. A real gangster ass nigga never runs his fucking mouth. Cause real gangster ass niggas don't start fights. And niggas always got a hot cap. Showing all his boys I was This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. Can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear. That hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Imagine that. They're still cranking out big, big savings. Weird. Just saw before I left the house today. Six-piece towel sets, and boy, do those towels work well. 1998. Making you thinking you're living in 1998 between the music and the prices. You enter promo code STEAK at checkout. You get big, big savings. If you're more of a morning person... They now have my coffee in the bag, via the bean, and in the pod. You enter promo code STEAK there, you get 25% off your orders. MyPillow.com forward slash STEAK. Everything sleep-related. Morning stuff. MyStore.com forward slash STEAK. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, Feeling good to be a gangster? Get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. The Patriot Cigar Company has launched premium handmade cigars out of Nicaragua made with 100% filler tobacco, aged at least three years to give you the best possible smoke. 15% off with promo code STEAK. Free shipping on ordered, over $100, and every box of cigars comes with a $10 e-gift card. For your next purchase, MyPatriotCigars.com is the website of premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. Licensed FFL if you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada. And he's got a five-star rating. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast backs to the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're wearing, well, while they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair and home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Dumpbox.us. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakForBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Getter and Truth Social, welcome 
Friday edition Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 172. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. Hey, we've got a big show today, and we're going to jump right into it with one of our absolutist great friends. He's the former chief of staff to the DOD. He's also a special assistant to the 45th president of the United States, one of our great friends, Steak for Breakfast endorser, best-selling author as well. Mr. Cash Patel, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. And, you know, I don't think I've ever said this before, but as a Hindu, the fact that you got me on a show called Steak for Breakfast, pretty epic. Just saying. <laughs> I like it. So there we go. We're, we're, we're breaking down walls here, even though we, all, yeah. we want more walls built. Um, <laughs> Cash, it's been really busy since the last time we talked to you. What's going on on your end? First of all, congratulations on getting ready to release the uh, sequel to The Plot Against the King. It's going to be The Plot Against the King 2 thousand mules i love it <laughs> thanks so much yeah i'll just briefly mention you know book one the plot against the king about russiagate did so well and so many parents and and kids alike were like whoa we, we need more content i don't want my child learning about gender dynamics and crt i want them learning about history in an apolitical fashion these things happened you know russiagate happened election integrity is happening and happened so we took the two subjects that the left would probably think are the third rail and we said no we're going to do it apolitically. We taught we taught children about the truth and service and the mission, things you guys are super familiar with. And we need to educate our future bench on that. And then I collaborated with Dinesh D'Souza on the second book, Plot Against the King, 2000 Mules. <laughs> and, you know, two Indian guys writing about election integrity is uh, pretty awesome and hilarious at the same time. But we didn't get into the technicals. We just said, hey, if you go out and vote – and there's more votes than human beings, there's something wrong. Exactly. And if there's, in our book, we use mules and animals. If there's mules and animals and glowing poo, as we call it in Plot Against the King 2000 Mules, what, who left that trace of evidence? And let's follow it. That's it. That's all we're saying. And then if we have a fair election and there's a leader, there's a, there's a constitutional republic that matters. So plotagainstthekeng.com is where you get both. I'm signing them. Of course, we're selling them. This is how I make my living. So I'm shameless. Go help us put, as President Trump launched my book on Truth Social just yesterday, um, go help put this book, these books in every school and every library and tick off every radical liberal in America. But more importantly, give adults and kids things to read about together um, that are historically important and apolitical. So plotagainstthekeng.com. Thanks, guys. No, it's, it's, it's such a great resource, and it's one of those things. My kids are really into politics. They really like Donald Trump. Like I see them, they watch the rallies. They know some of the words when he gets into the conclusion part of his rally. They love when he does the <laughs> dance. And when we're, we're looking at the book on the tablet and they just think it's so funny how the faces are like cartooned and like they know who these people are. And, and it's just, I'm telling you, I am actually going to buy an extra set today. And when the new one comes out and I have both of them, I'm going to donate it to my, uh, my daughter's classroom. Cause she's, she wears her, uh, every Wednesday, she wears the old school 2016 meme, Donald Trump, eagle on the arm, MAGA hat on the tank. Oh, wow. Oh, that's great. Graphic sweatshirt to school. And uh, no one ever says anything to her. We got a pretty conservative uh, board at the charter school my kids go to. They didn't want masks, no vaccine mandates. So that's how they roll there. They like to make charter schools great again, I guess, somewhere wow, in San Diego. Well, thank you for that. And, and do you guys, because of your generous act, do you guys have the orange man bad t-shirts yet? We don't. No. Oh, well, those are coming your way, too. Nice. I like that. 
can't beat it anywhere else except on Steak for Breakfast. Cash, we do have to get into some breaking news, stuff that's happened in the last 24 hours. Yesterday we saw radical, progressive, grifter, failed gubernatorial candidate, current New York State Attorney General Letitia James. Man, her her title could rival yours with all the stuff that you did when you were in D.C. <laughs> Sue Donald Trump and, and his children, Eric, Don Jr., Ivanka, no one was safe. $250 million for, I mean, looking into, I don't know, the fine print of contracts in regards to uh, business stuff related to Trump world in New York state. No real wrongdoing there. Donald Trump put it out yesterday. She's instead of, you know, garbage people are getting killed all over New York city, thrown on the train track, sucker punched and put in the hospitals. Kids are getting beat up all over the place, ran over with cars, robberies everywhere. And this is what she wants to do. She has a long documented history of saying that she was going to do this once she got elected to the seat. We're now 47 days before the midterm elections, and uh, she pulls this pre-October surprise, which I kind of think is a, is a little bit of a, a nothing burger, but you're the legal expert in this chat here. When you saw that happen yesterday, after you were done laughing, what did you think? <laughs> well, I'm not done laughing, mm. so maybe, maybe we need to extend uh, till like, next year when I'm done. <laughs> but, so look, as a former prosecutor, I'm just ticked off because here is someone who's the top cop, the number one law enforcement officer in the state of New York, elected by the people who ran on a platform of one thing. I don't have the evidence. I haven't looked at anything, but I'm going to prosecute Donald Trump. I'm going to prosecute him. I'm going to sue him. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to do it anyway. What kind of law enforcement officer is that? Without seeing any evidence, without looking at a shred of documentation, she already made the conclusion. Then what did she do? She got into office because of that bogus political charade. And then she went after Trump criminally for three years. And what happened? Came up zeros. Yep. Why? Because he didn't do anything wrong. So what's next? And what's the last thing? I'm going to get you civilly. And as anyone knows, the civil uh, you know, stuff is just, you're going to have to pay us money because you're an evil, bad person. And we couldn't prove it otherwise. But Donald Trump's not going to just um, you know, bend the knee and say, okay, here's a check. Um, she's overreached. People know she's overreached. And it's a political stunt in New York that needs to end, uh, hopefully with my buddy Lee Zeldin being elected governor up there, who's yep. a fantastic candidate, um, and we need to put him in overnight. But, you know, it just highlights the two-tier system of justice. It doesn't only exist at the federal level, people. It's at the state level, too. The state of New York has made it abundantly clear. If you are pro-Trump or conservative or MAGA, or if you're one of those despicable, deplorable Americans or Jan Sixter, you're going down, and we will make up the evidence later. That is happening in today's America, and that is something that I am just going to rally against um, on every single platform that they let me, but especially yours. I mean, you if you just look at the way something similar to this happened last time, it, you know, my memory serves me as the Michael Avenatti, Stormy Daniels allegations. Uh, they threw a whole bunch of civil junk at Donald Trump, and what happened in the end, not only did he get – he got paid a settlement – he resued them and had them pay all of his legal fees for kind of running his name through the mud. I mean, CNN, MSNBC, CBS, all those crappy liberal legacy media outlets ran with that narrative for so long and then pretty much had to go back and, and redirect their comments after, uh, you know, Trump was proven right again. I, I, I just think how fast he punched back and then all the receipts he's showing where she's literally – at parties in clubs saying like, I'm going to make Donald Trump's life a living hell. He's not going to be able to do anything. Cause I'm going to bog him down with like BS legal stuff. It's just an embarrassment. How some of these, I mean, you, she walks out her front door and she, between her and the mayor of New York, they, they have just let that place spiral into like one oh, of the, yeah. the absolute biggest dumps in this country right now. 
Well, it's a total dumpster fire is what it is. And look, New York, that's my home state. I was born and raised there. I mean, I joke with, uh, you know, Mr. Trump that Kings comes from Queens because he and I are both from Queens. Now we're from opposite sides of Queens. I also joke with him about Mm. I came from a less uh, economically expansive portion of Queens um, called Jackson Heights. But um, I can tell you, it it used to be awesome. And you're right. What you outlined is, uh, you know, everybody's leaving New York for places like shocking Florida, Texas, Nevada, Arizona, because you know, let's just put the tax thing aside. How about we just stop the homicides in these places, which have skyrocketed almost twofold? What about the one thing that should knight every uh, American? Crimes against children. Yeah. Why is it okay for drugs to kill our kids in these cities and the media to ignore them and the political will to ignore it? Because it's happening in New York where we have to go get Donald Trump or something outrageous like that. I mean, a two-year-old gets shot in Chicago like once every three months. And it, Mayor Lightfoot, uh, whatever her name is out there. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Uh, is, is, just, is just lapping it up. A, a child gets shot with a bullet. And then we've got Chinese fentanyl killing more Americans than any time in U.S. history in the last year since Biden's been in office. No one cares in these in, you know, in these republics that exist and their lofty palaces. So I think what you are seeing, though, is that Americans are fed up with it. And not not all of them, because there's some of them are so corrupt. That's what they want. But many are. And that's why you're going to see the red wave in November. That's why the House is going to flip. That's why the Senate's going to flip. But more importantly, people have realized the power of what that actually means. Used to be I'll vote every two and four years and the country will be fine. And, you know, other people sign up to serve and we're all good. Now they see that everybody's got to get involved some way, shape or form. So I'm happy that, you know, I've seen, you know, I'm going to take selfish credit here for helping. You guys are the geniuses behind Steaky for breakfast, but (laughs) I may have been one of the first guys on. And now I see all these big wigs and I'm like, look at these guys. But you know what? That's the power of the platform. The, The message you guys are getting across is simply amazing across the nation and the people you guys get on. I mean, you got all their signs in there. Carrie, Blake, you know, all these other winners. I mean, it's so cool to see that happen. We we, we stole those signs. (laughs) (laughs) Noah literally took out a a multi-tool and cut that Carrie Lake sign off of two huge metal posts on the side of the road by a truck stop. (laughs) So it's like, come on, the state line's like 100 yards away. We can do it. It was already loose. Oh, man. No, you say a lot of things there, and and I want to cover a bunch of them. You know, you, you go over this stuff about the midterm elections and you mentioned American citizens, it's no longer just the base. It's no longer just Republicans. Even you're going to have so many Democrats who are feeling this in the wallet again with their kids and their communities, crime, safety, gasoline at the pump, everything like that. In addition to them, you have all these independents who really just voted the other way because of mean tweets. And, and now you have the, you know, them come into the realization that, well, okay, I might not have liked everything Donald Trump said or how he pushed, you know, other political leaders at major forums and stuff like that. But I don't like losing uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars out of my retirement funds two Tuesdays ago while Joe Biden does a victory lap on the front yard of the, of the White House to celebrate the Inflation Non-Reduction Act. So I definitely think a lot of people have woken up and we're going to see a major turnout. Plus, you already have all the major legacy news outlets on the progressive side saying that the red wave is not coming and the polls are all widening, which we all know is not true because there's been nothing to direct anything that way except Donald Trump is picking up steam. And, uh, you know, as, as far as our show goes, listen, 
I know you had a little bit of an emotional reaction last time when we had Matt Whitaker and Rick Grinnell on the same show. Um, we can't blame you, but uh, you're- I wasn't even invited. I wasn't even. That's the part that hurt the most. You're you're always invited. Yeah, I sent Erica like 20 dates, and she always tells me what the best ones are. Any Tuesday and Friday, if you're free, you just call into the show, and you're automatically admitted. So I'm going to put that out there for our listenership. Cat, yeah, just, just click on the Zoom link and crash whenever you want. That's it. And we'll just, I'll pull you it's, in. It's always the same link. So, yeah, 100%. Cash, we, we saw some stuff going on right now this week. It's the back and forth between the DOJ and the special master. He's starting to look at some of the stuff that happened uh, in, in regards to what went down at Mar-a-Lago not too long ago. But the Justice Department appealing it, I think, is what's more important here. In your opinion, do you think them going and trying to essentially remove this component from the investigation now pretty much falls directly into the narrative that you continue to promote that not only do all roads lead to Russiagate, but Russiagate is still very much going on in live time right now. You know, I've always believed that and, and I've outlined it before in the past. Uh, so I won't dive into those details, but um, the, the, the common occurrence has been proven over and over again when the government in the last six years, especially the DOJ and FBI have said, we are protecting sources and methods, national security risk at issue. What it turns out is they are hiding and covering up their own corruption, which is illegal. We proved it in Russia by forcing the documents to come out, but we didn't get all of them out. And what about the rest of the documents that should be out for the American people to see via whistleblowers that are bravely coming forward? Those are things that Congress needs to put out. And that's what I was talking about when I say, you know, Americans got to get educated. We can't we can talk on these shows and go on TV and all that stuff. But until you sit down and read the documents and we're putting those documents up for free nonstop on fightwithcash.com, literally Jan 6, Russiagate, Durham Watch, every corruption document we can find lawfully, we are throwing up for free. And just you don't have to read them all. Read one, read two and then tell a buddy. Their own documentation always shows their own corruption because of their arrogance that the likes of Comey and company thought no one's ever going to catch us. So we can literally say we're breaking the law and write it. And the newest the newest revelation is this Danchenko uh, pleading by John Durham, which shocked even me. (laughs) They said Danchenko was a freaking FBI informant. After they tried to prosecute the guy for selling classified information and the FBI's excuse coincidentally timed perfectly with Christopher Steele being fired and Danchenko coming on board was, oh, he left the country. So he stopped. Oh, so that's what you have to do to evade FBI prosecution is you leave the country. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What happens is they are now hiring CHSs to cover up and blockade access to the documents. And John Durham has just busted through that blockade and boy, oh boy, is the FBI afraid. And Chris Ray has allowed all this to happen on his watch. And now Chris Ray is suspending whistleblowers that come forward, showing corruption and evidence. Miranda Devine has a great article out, this this brave agent, special agent Fred, who didn't even vote for Trump and said, you guys are breaking the law when it comes to January 6th. I will not be a part of these raids. They've essentially fired this guy. Literally. We didn't fire Chiramella. Nope. Who conjured up a fake impeachment fiasco. He came in on the Whistleblower Protection Act. We allowed him to have his protection. We ran the course of the investigation, and it showed that he was full of crap. Him and his sidekick, Vinman. But the two-tier system of justice, again on display when it comes to whistleblowers, here is, is even for me, who I thought I you know figured out so much of Russiagate, I was like, wait a second. This freaking guy, and Devin and I were joking about it, but not really joking because we were like, they didn't even tell us. 
And we figured it out back then, which means they've been hiding it for five years. Yep. What else are they hiding? So their confidential human source cover-up operation. Yeah, that's, I mean, Cash, you've been on the show so many times. I'm going to show you my list right now. It's probably like reading it backwards. It was literally Danchenko, FBI, and a dollar sign. That's the next item we were segueing to. And, <laughs> and our conversation driven drove it right there. It's, as Again, all roads do lead to Russiagate and all conversations that we have with Cash apparently do as well. But that's the thing. This is going on right now, and, and th- here's the we wanted to talk to you about this for a long time. We know you wanted the FBI. We never talked to you about it. You know, we've talked to people. So many of your friends have come on the show and been like, yeah, and then there was that whole thing with Cash and the FBI. But we know it, it might have been a sore subject. It might not have been something you want to make public. And then you absolutely nuked Bill Barr on True Social like two weeks ago and dropped that shit post about him where it just said that, you know, he, he wanted to to save the agency and wound up losing the country, which is the absolute truth. Knowing now that he basically had his hands tied to Russiagate and then the cover-up of the 2020 presidential election, and in between that is all the stuff that happened under his watch, how much of the blame for where we're at right now falls on his shoulders, in your opinion? A large portion of it. I mean, not all of it because the rest goes on Chris Ray and, and, and the operation he's running. But, you know, let's say Bill Barr, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Because he never gives anybody because he's so arrogant. But let's say he didn't know it as attorney general. Well, that's just as criminal because these people work for you as the number one law enforcement officer in the country. And are you actually saying you didn't know Denchenko was a paid informant? You didn't know that the likes of Auten and Tabolt, the special agents that lied and broke the law during the Hunter Biden investigation? Oh, and by the way, did you know that Auten's case, uh, the uh, case agent for the Danchenko source was Auten? I mean, this you can't make this stuff up. The guy that is basically under investigation for, for crushing falsely the Hunter Biden laptop story is the source handler for Danchenko, yeah. the guy we were just talking about. So returning to Bill Barr, if you didn't know any of this, you're a moron. But he's not. He's a two-time attorney general. Yep. You're too smart. And if you knew it, why didn't you put it out? What the heck were you afraid of? You were afraid of everything else. Every, the same thing that everybody else is in that position. You don't want the building to look bad on your watch because you don't want to be that AG, which means you're servicing your own ego. And in his book, which is hilarious, that this clown took time to swing at a lower level uh, government official and said, I didn't have the background and experience to be the deputy director of the FBI. This from a man who at age 37 said he had the experience to be the attorney general of the United States of America. Uh, yeah. Okay. How about hypocrite? And I mean, and I'm using the word hippo and then crit <laughs> for this guy. And you know, the, the fact that they are making money and look, he was just, it's hilarious. This guy was out actually talking to people in, in Southern California and he called me out by name and people in the room started texting me and be like, this guy's out of it. I mean, this is, this is how far he's fallen. He had a chance to clean it up. He had a chance to do the right thing, put the documentation out and he failed. And that's why he left the administration early. He broke. Yeah. He broke because he didn't want to serve the American people. And because of his government arrogance, he allowed the corruption to continue on his watch. So he is whole largely responsible for it. And, you know, whatever. He can go on selling his stupid book and making commentary on, you know, cheap shows and, and saying how he was there to protect the world. But at the end of the day, you failed. He certainly did. And Noah, hypocrite. Bill Barr, 
I think you might have a little memeage. Uh, we could get to send that one to Cash. He'd probably share it, give us a little credit, get some followership our way. That's number one. Number two. And no, you guys take credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you what, the stuff with Bill Bard, and like we said, we sat down with Matt Whitaker last week. Man, I, we talked about Matt Whitaker being on Gutfeld and asking, you know, was he sizing up Tyrus and, and how he think he would fare in, in, in a wrestling match against him. And Matt said, Tyrus got me beat in size. He's got me beat probably in strength, he said, but he's quicker than him, and that's going to be the X factor. But when it comes down to Bill Barr, his level of disgust rivals yours with how bad he tarnished that agency. At some point during his tenure there, he had to know some of the stuff going on with Russiagate. He had to know stuff about Denchenko. He had to know that these agents were working not for the American people but against the sitting president. And then when you look at the stuff that happened in 2019 with the Hunter Biden laptop and stuff like that, I know that the FBI and the Department of Justice didn't want to get themselves into another situation to where even though they weren't with Donald Trump philosophically, because they weren't, um, mm. They knew if they released the contents of that laptop and just gave a broad explanation of what was on it and how it ties into Joe Biden, they were going to say he, they're doing the same thing to Joe Biden that uh, <laughs> James Comey did to Hillary Clinton, and it would have just given the agency a black eye. Now, in retrospect, and we can armchair quarterback the whole thing, we see that the black eye that they're going to have is probably long-lasting and probably going to be the last one that they have because once this – House and Senate flips, and once Donald Trump gets back in the White House in 2025, that place is going to get gutted pretty damn quick. Yeah, I think there's going to be, look, you know, the calls for it are, are growing exponentially every day, a church-style commission yeah. for this FBI and DOJ. I mean, we had to do it after J. Edgar Hoover, and it looks like we have to do it again because every time, even Congress – has been too nice to them. Even the Republicans in Congress have been too nice to them at times by saying, oh, you'll fix it. You'll show us the documents. You'll fire whoever's responsible, giving us accountability. No, they fail time and time and time again. Barr failed, Rosenstein failed, Ray failed, Comey failed, McCabe failed, Strzok failed. All the same guys, Tybalt, Auten, all these guys, uh, these government gangsters, as I call them, came in to allow the United States government to service their own ego instead of them servicing the American people. And that is the simple differentiating factor between us and them. And we have to remind the American public of that. But more importantly, we have to tell Congress and demand action. So maybe it's a church commission. I just don't think there's any one committee that can take on this animal that is completely out of control. That is the DOJ and FBI. And we haven't even gotten talked about the DOD and the IC, which yet we have similar problems over there. Yeah, we sure do. Probably not to the same extent, but uh, definitely as big of a problem. No, I mean, you're right. And uh, moving forward, we're going to start to deconstruct them a little bit, probably after the midterms, because right now the FBI and DOJ is tied into all the things. It, it looks like they're doing the same thing for, against Republicans right now that, that, that you know, they, they said that we did against Hillary Clinton in 2016, which was completely justified because, I mean, she is human garbage and did all those awful things there and weaponized the, the FBI against the, you know, the soon to be president of the United States cash last thing. Cause I know you got to cut midterms are coming up 47 days. We know you're going to yeah. be on the road doing a lot of support. We'll probably see you here and there at a rally. What's your schedule looking like and what are some of the hottest races that you're going to be involved with? Yeah, look, you know, I'm a big proponent of winning back the West, my home state of Nevada, my new home state. Well, it's not new anymore, I guess. Uh, it just seems like it uh, because it's so nice there. It's such a change of pace. But um, yeah, lack salt out of Nevada and big going big in Arizona for Cary Lake, for Abe and for Blake. You know, if we win those couple of states, the, the, the way we change the landscape of this country is massive. You know, I'll be out in Arizona just next week. I'll be in South Florida next week. Um, I'll be back in uh, Nevada a couple times. 
times. I just saw Adam and Blake. Um, and I also saw Oz. So, you know, maybe I'll be in Pennsylvania and upstate New York for Lee Stefanik. Um, hopefully on the campaign trail for Lee Zeldin. And look, I, I keep telling people wherever races of consequences are that they want the MAGA pack or excuse me, the MAGA first, you know, America first priorities um, platform. I'll go and speak. No problem. Just buy me a PBR. Really not asking for a lot. Maybe a chicken fried steak. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm really not asking for a whole ton of stuff, but you guys get it. It matters. The rallies matter. Engagements with 20 people in a room matter. So uh, I'm going to be all over the place. I'm going to be, you know, no shame. I'm going to be marketing my book to no end because it's a profession for me and how I make money. So I'm going to take a ca- uh, copies of the plot against the King and the plot against the King 2000 meals everywhere I go. And actually, you know what I'm going to start doing when I get on airplanes and now it's easy to identify the communists. That they still have the mask on. <laughs> I'm going to like videotape me signing a copy of my book, the plot against the King and then hand it to them. And then maybe you guys can put it up on, on state for breakfast, truth, social handle, and we can have some fun with it. We certainly will. We're going to have to come up with a new hashtag for that one. Mm. Um, we'll see some of the reactions for sure. Cash one more time. Your true social handle and then the website for the book. We'll live link them in our show description today. And we already don't have to say we'll have you back soon because we know on October 14th, we're going to be doing Cash Patel, Devin Nunez, Volume 2 here on Steak for Breakfast. Ooh, that's going to be a heater. Uh, yeah, so I'm only place I exist on social media, you guys know this, at Cash, at K-A-S-H. Uh, I'm going to be uh, continuously and mercilessly pounding government corruption and plot against the king.com plot against the king.com for both books plot against the king one Russiagate plot against the king 2000 mules where I collaborated with Dinesh D'Souza uh, for all things election integrity and um, oh I just got word we are sending you guys I, my apologies a goodie bag not just orange man bad t-shirts not just plot against the king one and 2000 mules but some socks might be in there as well. Oh, dang. I will wear them proudly and trigger as many people as I can. This is the former chief of staff to the DOD and special assistant to Donald John Trump. Mr. Cash Patel, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Take care. The relief that we are seeking specifically, we are asking the court, again, to permanently bar Mr. Trump, Donald Trump, Eric Trump, Ivanka Trump, from serving as an officer or director in any corporation or similar business entity registered or licensed in New York State. We are barring Mr. Trump and his organization from entering into any New York State commercial real estate acquisition for five years. We are barring Mr. Trump and the Trump organization from applying for any loans from any financial institution registered with the New York Department of Financial Services for five years. We are requiring Mr. Trump and the Trump organization to to disgorge the financial benefits obtained through the persistent fraudulent practices, an estimated baseline at the minimum of $250 million, and to appoint an independent monitor at the Trump Organization to oversee compliance, financial reporting, valuations, and disclosures to lenders, insurers, and tax authorities for no less than five years. We are requiring the Trump Organization to prepare on an annual basis for the next five years a gap, a generally accepted accounting practices compliant audited statement of financial condition showing Mr. Trump's net worth to be distributed to all the recipients of his prior statements of financial condition. To replace the current trustees of the Donald J. Trump Revocable Trust with new independent trustees or require similar independent governance if a new trust is created, and to permanently bar Alan Weisselberg and Jeffrey McConney 
from serving in the financial control of any New York corporation. And lastly, to cancel any certificate filed under and by virtue of the provisions of Section 130 of the General Business Law for the corporate entities named as defendants and any other entity controlled by or beneficially owned by Donald Trump, which participated in or benefited from the ongoing financial scheme. In other words, permanently prohibit any of these companies from doing business in the state of New York. Well, welcome to the news portion of the show. Gang's all here. That was, um, all right, let me see if I can get it all. Tension-seeking. Yeah. Situational grifting. Mm-hmm. Failed gubernatorial candidate. Mm-hmm. Current New York State Attorney General Letitia I'm going to get Trump James. Odd, odd vocabulary choices. Thank you. Uh, disgorge. How Dis- dare. Disclose? How dare you? I'm, I'm very aroused. <laughs> Did she say engorged? Disgorged. Even better. I think that's what the she, the reaction she's used to, maybe. Mm. Oh, she's kind of a heifer. Anyways, that was her talking uh, on Wednesday about a $250 million civil suit, which includes some, uh, well, added bonuses that would bar Donald Trump and any of his children and their top associates from doing any kind of business in New York for up to five years. So it's the lawfare version of impeachment. Yes. Speaking of which, we saw today uh, House Representative and Congressman Matt Gates was completely exonerated for the smear campaign last year where people said he was a child sex trafficker. Hmm. Even the Washington Post came out to redact their story fully and say that there was never any evidence provided that would lead them to believe that that would ever be something that he would be found guilty of in court. Wow. Yeah. But uh, I so think... So is he going to sue him or what? Well, I'm pretty sure that's coming. I mean, Matt's a lawyer himself, but, you know, I think uh, Tom Fitton said it best. Uh, when you go and uh, do stuff like this to people, we see people like Steve Bannon going through it right now, Cash Patel, uh, Dr. Navarro. Um, the process is the punishment. I mean, they're just trying to disgorge people at this point. Stop it. <laughs> if you're going to say disgorge, you have to garrison yourself immediately after. Oh, there you go. Scissor me, timber. Oh, fully. Fully but, but yeah, the, the process is the punishment. And, and, you know, this always being like it goes on with the election stuff and everything else. Orange man bad. Once you burn it in somebody's brain, I mean, unless you literally Hannibal style go in there and feed them their own brains to get it out. It's never getting out. Mm-hmm. They're always going to think Donald Trump's a Russian asset that, you know, the Russians stole the 2016 presidential election for Hillary Clinton. Dominion voting machines. Were but only- nobody was able to fuck with the, you know, the, the next one. That one was fine. That right. was fine. Like Dominion voting machines were only bad when Donald Trump won the election mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So uh, it didn't take too long for, um, you know, Trump world to put out some kind of a response to this. And, uh, you know, talking with some of our friends, we just wrapped with Cash. He, he had quite a nice piece to say. And Christina Bob said she's been swamped, but she's kind of taking the day off to go do the Trump rally tonight in North Carolina. Nice. So if any of you are uh, listening today and it's pre-rally time, throw on Right Side Broadcasting, and you could see her pretty face on there doing the pregame report, as, as she always does. Um, but... Yeah, not really a surprise. The only thing was the timing, I think, because everything else is kind of like falling through. They had to kind of rush one of their October surprises, and this was one of them, it. But when when you look at actually like get into the documents and stuff, you see that there's little to no, first of all, this is civil, not criminal. Mm-hmm. And they could say they're referring stuff to wherever. There's no open investigation into this. Um, Trump World responded and put out some statements. I saw, I think, MSNBC. 
covering it and let's hear it from the trump organization to that lawsuit filed by the attorney general of the state of new york earlier today against the trump organization the allegation in the lawsuit was that the trump organization for years has been inflating the value of its assets and conducting fraud in order to do that the response here from the trump organization now uh, lengthy and in writing accuses the attorney general of waging a years-long political campaign against the trump organization True. also targeting new york city's increase in crime offering a number of statistics about crime in the city saying that she should be focused on that instead of the Trump organization. And it concludes with this, also Scott. True. They say an attorney general is supposed to be fair, impartial, and unbiased, not weaponize their office to pursue a political vendetta or target their political opponents. Today's filing by Attorney General James sets a dangerous precedent, not just in New York, but for our entire nation. Yeah. The good people of New York should be disgusted. That from the Trump organization spokesperson today in the response to those uh, that lawsuit filed earlier today by the attorney general. We'll wait to see how all this plays out politically, uh, legally, but you can already see the political strategy there here, Scott, which is to attack this uh, and say that this is all politics. It's all about uh, tarnishing Trump ahead of some potential 2024 presidential activity. We'll wait and see how that all plays out and whether the, pres the former president declares his intent to run again for the presidency of the United States, Scott. Yeah, we'll see if we... Uh see the former president at some point uh, today uh, responding personally to all of this, too. Uh, Eamon, and thank boy, did he ever, I think, Don Jr., Eric, and, and Donald Trump all went in hard on Truth Social, posting all of the TikTok videos of Letitia James during her campaign at clubs, uh, at campaign rallies, literally running on the premise that, like, I'm going to make Donald Trump's life a living hell with mm. civil lawsuits when I get elected. And here we are at the end of her term, and she's actually losing in the polls to a Republican by two points right now. And she was dumb enough to to go out and film these videos that they put up too. Which oh, is they're amazing. all over the place. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, and Donald Trump Jr. and Eric and, and of course, 45 shared them all over True Social. And Yeah, these people are insane. It's it's Trump derangement syndrome. It's like, I don't care if I burn down the entire house, Trump can't come in it. No, you're 100% right. Antoinette, you know a little bit more about business than Noah and I do. Fact of the matter is, is that Donald Trump also put out like a long worded truth that talked about some of the, you know, Everybody skews the numbers when it comes to business to make yourself look better and more marketable. He also mentioned that there's disclaimers in there. And, and um, what are those things called? Uh, not just disclaimers, which would say, you know, the numbers and the markets are, are manipulable, but the um, things that you can't talk, like the uh, non-disclosures. Yeah. That, that in regards to that, too, if you're not having a good you know, a uh, uh, business venture with the Trump organization and, and probably they pay out if you don't get, obviously, you know, what you what you bargained for. Antoinette, what do you think when you see this? You think it's just all politically motivated? I mean, she's got a long documented history of saying that she was going to go after Donald Trump on behalf of the party. And then we see this bullshit come out 46 days before the uh, midterm elections. No, I think it's another fishing expedition, to be fair. And they're desperate. Well, it, does, it does seem that way. This close to the midterms is... You know, I mean, she sounded like she tried to sound like she was like tough and, you know, she sounded scared to me, though. That's what I saw. Yeah, I think. Well, it's part of it's probably the gun to her back from, right, from exactly. the DNC. They're throwing everything at him and uh, nothing's sticking. And yeah, now, even if you don't want to do this, you're fucking doing it if you're on that team. And he's had three days now to prepare for the rally tonight in North Carolina. I said, you, I said you're going to bunt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Former disgraced U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr, according to us and Cash Patel, yeah. jumped on Fox News yesterday to kind of weigh in and just give his opinion on it. Believe it or not, he actually sided with Trump. Let's hear it. Is a, a political hit job. Is uh, she 
grossly overreaches when she tries to drag the children into the, this. Yes, they had roles in the business, but this was his personal financial statement. It was prepared by the CFO. Uh, accounting firms were involved in it. The, the children aren't going to know the details of that and be able, and nor are they expected in the real world to do their own due diligence and have it, you know, reviewed independently. And so uh, this, this to me looks like gross overreach, which I think is going to end up backfiring on them because I think it will make people sympathetic for Trump, that this is another example of uh, people piling on because of uh, Trump derangement syndrome, this, you know, yeah, this strong desire to, you know, to... to, to well, to, to, to today, Junior. <laughs> Wait, that was Bill Barr shitting on that? Yeah. Wow. Which is completely opposite of what they're he said the other eating, day. They're eating right. their own. I know. And he was, and Paul Ryan's probably like standing behind the curtain, like, "What the fuck are you saying?" And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> I, but they even they see it. Like again, we talk about what happened with Matt Gates and that ruling this morning, and then you know you see all this stuff with Donald Trump, and it's like, I saw all these articles out the other day. It's like now the Department of Justice and the special masters are telling Donald Trump if they planted evidence at Mar-a-Lago, then you have to like prove how they did it. And I was like. <laughs> Actually, they don't. He has records of everything that went. We have records of everything they took. One of those lists aren't going to match up. Donald Trump doesn't have to prove anything. Well, that's yeah. improving it. Yeah, well, and even it's like he's talking about, you know, roping the kids into it because I Ivanka, Don Jr., and Eric were all named in this. Uh, I don't even think Donald Trump knows what goes on in most of his day-to-day -day operations for the Trump Corporation, to be honest with you. I don't know what goes on in my day-to-day -day operations. And I didn't see what if this was predated his presidency or when the executives and uh, banking firms were handling his assets during the time that he was in office, which he would have complete hands off of. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, it, it's just really annoying that we have to kind of go through it, but it's more than expected. Uh, Donald Trump sat down with Boomer Sweat's Sean Hannity the other day down at Mar-a-Lago. And, you know, he asked him about this because I believe it was the day of um, I ripped a clip from it, and, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure you're going to be uh, knowing what the answer is before we even play it. I have once in a while, but uh, a number of years. Thank you very much. So your whole family, you saw the Letitia James Terrible. presser. Terrible. Okay. What was your reaction? Well, she campaigned on it four years ago. It was a vicious campaign, and she just talked about Trump, and we're going to indict him, we're going to get him. She knew nothing about me. I never heard of her. But I saw this woman. I saw the statement she was putting out without knowing anything. And she said, we're going to get him. That, her whole campaign was based on that. And uh, then she came after us. We've been going over this for years. And I actually thought, because our values are really high. The company is great. I built a great company. You take places like this, so many other places that I have like this, frankly. I mean, just the, the, among the finest places anywhere in the world. I actually thought that they would never bring a case. And she brought it. And the reason I thought, because she didn't have a case. Uh, I was of the impression she wanted to settle. But I had a problem, because how do you pay something, even if it's a small amount of money, if you're not guilty? This was just a continuation of a witch hunt that began when I came down the escalator at Trump Tower mm. with our, who would know, our great future first lady who's done a great job and people love her. <laughs> but we came down the escalator and it started. But 
I'm so proud of what we did. We had the strongest border in the country. We had the biggest tax cuts and regulation cuts. We had the best employment ever in the country. We're energy independent. We did things that nobody ever thought possible. We would have been energy dominant throughout the world in a very short period of time, much larger than Russia, much larger than Saudi Arabia put together. We were all set. And then they came along and they just dismantled that. They wouldn't finish the wall. The wall was completed. The original section was completed. I said, let's do more. We did more. He could have had that finished in three weeks. And now you have millions and millions of people pouring through. We had the strongest border in history. And by the way, that included drugs, too. We had drugs down 19 percent from what they were the previous year and 20 percent from what they were that previous year. We were doing great, and now the drugs are pouring into our country at a level that nobody's seen, and the people, they're emptying out their prisons uh, into the United States. Issues. So, I mean, yeah, essentially I mean. a non-answer besides the fact that he called her a scumbag um, yeah. in, in a nicer way possible, but it, it's one of those things he did point out that, you know, how's he going to have to settle and pay them when they don't have a case and they don't have anything criminally to charge them with? You're going to talk about, you know, being one of the biggest corporations in the United States uh, and, and skewing the books a little bit. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm sure there's people that work in that legal department who know how to get around all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the guy who they said was going to jail forever because of his taxes and it found out that, you know, they mastered the art of the loophole. And he, <laughs> and he lived in the same kind of uh, universe that people like Jeff Bezos and, and Elon Musk do now. Yeah, they all do that. And so, that's what, yeah. when you get to that level, you, you pay people to do that shit for you. You're going to go after Donald Trump for his taxes and you have you know, corporations like Amazon that haven't paid taxes since 2013. 2013, and the guy's worth $400 billion. More money you could ever spend. Makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we're getting ready to close it out here and, and jump in with our next guest, it's good to kind of just get your, uh, you know, palates wet in regards to this situation. Obviously, we're heading into the weekend, and we'll hear more from the 45th president uh, via the Trump rally. But, uh, you know, as this story continues to develop, we're going to be more than certain to keep an eye on it. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's the former deputy assistant to President Trump. He's also doing a uh, traveling fellowship at the Claremont Institute. We're very thrilled to have him back. Theo Wall, thanks for coming back on the show with us. Hey, thanks for having me on again. Our Appreciate pleasure. It. How's everything going with you, sir? You know, hanging in there. I've uh, been, been doing some traveling. I was up in Maine for a uh, Claremont uh, get-together and then down in, in South Florida for the NatCon 3. So uh, getting a chance to meet up with some folks that I work with in the, in the Trump administration, like Amanda Milius and um, some good Claremont buddies, and mixing it up here and there. Nice. Yeah, she's great. I was talking to her the other day on Instagram, and uh, I was like, hey, we miss you. you. Want to come back on the show? She's like, I know. I'll come back. But that's like... She's very touch and go with her scheduling, so I just yes, got to keep is. hitting it. But uh, we love when she comes on. So, you know, we were talking offline yesterday, and, and some of the things that have been in the news lately, obviously we saw the meltdowns both from uh, Greg Abbott's buses to D.C. and Kamala Harris's front yard, and then obviously DeSantis' heir to uh, Martha's Vineyard and the meltdown that ensued after that. What are some of the things that you saw? Um, I mean, listen, the, the hypocrisy of the left was on full display for that. So uh, how did it feel to uh, kind of take a victory lap as, you know, everybody that uh, fought for secure borders during the Trump administration to see how it went down last week? Yeah, I would say the victory lap is that this is still a relevant issue, sure. right? Because for years, it's not just the left, but like the, the Chamber of Commerce Republicans have said, no one gives... Um, 
two, two shoots uh, about um, immigration as an electoral issue. But here we are, uh, you know, uh, repel the, the migrants, save the midterms. Um, and I, I, I think that's that's true. The thing I'd say about the Martha's Vineyard flights is um, at the end of the day, it really is about numbers. And, and this is what I mean. Let me let me give you a couple of prefatory numbers out here. Um, we let in about 128 million legal immigrants every year. Mm-hmm. So that's the total of all the student visas, the short-term labor visas, um, tourists. And increasingly, we know that about 60% of our legal uh, visas overstay. Yep, yep. They, they come and they don't leave. Then you throw in there about the 1.5 million green cards that we issue every year, 60,000 diversity lottery visa winners. So the 2.9 million people who have crossed the border illegally, that's on top of all, all of this, you know, this huge number of immigrants already coming into the country. So those are the prefatory numbers. And what I would say is people who live on the border in Texas, in Arizona, Southern California, they've seen the destabilizing effects of mass immigration for years. They've seen it in their schools, the hospitals, the clinics, emergency rooms. And so, you know, this is the first taste that a lot of white wealthy liberals in their little gated community enclaves have had with mass immigration and they lost their minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fast. <laughs> I mean, 35, what, you know, two dozen Venezuelans show up in Martha's Vineyard and it's a national crisis. You, you go to my hometown in California, you go to a place like Yuma, Arizona, 35. I mean, that's a typical lunch hour, right? Yeah. I mean, that's nothing. So, you know, I think, um, I think the numbers are very telling uh, and, and how they react, just marginal numbers. And then I also think what's good about this, someone asked me the other day, well, do you think Abbott and DeSantis will stop? No, no, I don't. They're not going to, Mm-mm. definitely not. Um, and the important victory for our side is it's training a nervous system response that we're going to need in a few years. And what I mean by that is we have heard for generations, the most recent being Mitt Romney back in 2012, that, well, you know, it's really too bad that all these people gamed out our, our legal system and they come here and they overstay or they enter the country illegally, but we can't do anything about it. They're here. Um, the, the flights... Uh, the transportation between jurisdictions, the transit, uh, organizing law enforcement, uh, and the logistical teams that are making this possible, that's all going to be the antecedent to getting millions of people removed and deported from the country in a yep. few years. It's an, it's an important musculature to start developing today. They, they've taken... They've literally overplayed their hand by involving all of these NGOs and making like bus companies and private airlines like public is now in coordination, like you said, with uh, federal law enforcement and state and locals everywhere. They've kind of laid out the entire. Yeah, it's like, hey, you did this. So we're just going to, you know, we're just going to uno reverse. That's it. It's going to be it's going to be pretty pretty spicy because i mean even sean hannity asked donald trump the other day he's still down to be removing millions of people and he's like yeah the bad ones yes Mm -hmm. yes millions of people if they're bad and uh it's gonna take someone like donald trump to go in there and 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 really kind of get his uh, you know wrap his hands around this we also want to see uh the return of stephen miller and, and hopefully people like you theo because we know you worked very closely and cared a lot about this issue that's going down there on the on the southern border I was talking about this when the Martha's Vineyard thing actually started was what if those guys 
started squatting in these people's vacation rentals and stuff like that. I mean, they, it would take a court order to get them removed, yep. and that would really hit home for these people. We'll look for yeah. Is it the same thing that they do in Texas and Arizona, right? Yeah, they, they come into far- they ranchers' houses. Ranches yeah. and farms, and, and they steal you know, farm equipment and private property and no kill, kill animals, kill dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Ransack houses. We've, we've had guests on the show before who've showed us pictures of like their houses getting ransacked yeah. and stuff like that. And the coyotes leaving like knives out in their kids rooms and, and things, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy. We, we, you know, gave some numbers last week. The approximate uh, population of El Paso, Texas is about 28,000 people and just in August, 50,000 illegal migrants crossed through there. So essentially almost double the population. And uh, we Yeah, know, they could just take over the town. Yeah, well, they pretty much have. I mean. And, uh, you know, it, it's just bad news down there. I, I do want to kind of transition to, uh, you know, some international news. We saw that Queen Elizabeth was finally buried after, uh, you know, about two weeks of uh, celebrating all the stuff that she did over the course of her Ten years queen. Um, I, I think one of the things that's also going to be on display that kind of ties in with the uh, the Martha Vineyard's flight is the how the mass immigration into Europe has really kind of destabilized all of it across the board, and uh, it's not looking like it's going to get better anytime soon. We know there's very good friends with Raheem Masami comes on the show. He talks about you know historical places that his family immigrated to are no longer there because they've been taken over by migrant communities. He's also seen things in France and Sweden, obviously Germany. Um, how does her death and how the UK and maybe even greater, because we've seen referendum being called in Italy with the elections this week, uh, you know, there there's uh, nationalist populist candidates who are rising to the top all across Europe right now. And one of the biggest things they're talking about is immigration and security. What do you think uh, moving forward we're going to start seeing as far as immigration referendum in Europe? Yeah, so I, I think the, the prefatory comment I'd make is um, Queen Elizabeth's death is is really a, a, an, an incredibly historical moment for the world. Yeah. Period. Yeah. It's not just duration. It's not just, you know, she met all these presidents. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's really, I mean, in many ways, she was the last Christian head of state. Yeah. Um, and, and her passing as a decent, upstanding woman of faith will be felt in a lot of ways in, in the West um, you know, civilizationally. So that said, look, one of the things, if you, if you wanted to take a, a more jaundiced eye of, of her tenure as, as monarch, um, is, you know, uh, you know, Raheem will appreciate this. It turns out that Anak Powell was right. You know, the, the queen and Powell crossed swords a number of times in the fifties. And then openly Powell criticized her after her Christmas day address in 1983, <clears throat> um, where she said, you know, where he said, Look, it seems like the queen is almost more preoccupied with the commonwealth of nations as almost like a globalist than she is with your average Englishman or Welshman or Scot. And in order to sort of effectuate the commonwealth of nations, this transition from empire to the commonwealth, two things had to happen. One, they had to essentially blow up the existing notion of British citizenship. Yep. And they allowed citizenship to be extended as a question of equality to people living in Pakistan and Kenya and Jamaica and Sri Lanka. That's how they got all these, these nations to keep the monarch as head of state and to join this new club. And then two, there was a, a, a you know, Texas two-step, which was, okay, and then we're going to allow all these people freedom of movement. They can come to Britain on their own terms and they can immigrate here. So, 
uh, I think what's most interesting, if you watch these man on the street interviews or a lot of what the leftist press in Britain and throughout the world is saying, is now you have these people who live in England or Scotland or Wales, and they say essentially, yeah, this this King Charles guy, I don't get it. He's white, yeah, Christian, um, you know, he's heteronormative. I, I have no allegiance to him. I don't get why we're doing this monarchy thing anymore. Right. So, so the very idea of creating this global commonwealth, ultimately, as Powell said, as he predicted back in the 50s and then in 1983, it will ultimately, in many ways, be the force that destabilizes the monarchy mm-hmm. for good. Yeah, that's uh, something that I'm sure they're not looking forward to, but it is the reality of it. And, you know, when you have someone in there as longstanding as her with the influence that she had, even, you know, as the actual political apparatus and um, the monarchy separated themselves, uh, you know, to where anything legislation wise would come down through the government. And then, you know, the monarchy would kind of just be there for show. She still had her hands in a lot of things. She was extremely influential. And, uh, especially with world leaders. I mean, someone who worked in the Trump administration, her, her interactions with Donald Trump, even in her advanced age and probably declining health was something special. And you didn't often see, uh, with a lot of world leaders towards the end of her tenure. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. I think, you know, as, as I said at the outset, I mean, look, I mean, she's really a giant on the world stage. And, and that all really emanates from a life well lived and a, and, a, and a woman of deep, deep Christian character. I think that's why so many presidents wanted to get that FaceTime with her. Um, and then, you know, uh, everyone has given voice to from, you know, the number of, of prime ministers that are still living to world leaders who interacted with her, including our own U.S. presidents, her depth of knowledge and the details of policy and law was really unsurpassed, whether it was, you know, the, the, the trade agreements with the United States and other you know, nations in the Commonwealth, uh, defense agreements, or, or just, you know, these, these minutia of parliamentary enactments, um, really a superior mind. But it's, it'll be one of these ironies that the very thing that she said in 1953 upon ascending the throne, that she would give her whole soul and life to the continuation and the expansion of the Commonwealth may be the very thing yep. That, that costs King Charles and the monarchy long-term in, in Britain. Like we just saw today, you know, the, the Labor Party uh, through the former Prime Minister Gordon Brown, a document has leaked that says the Labor Party wants to abolish the House of Lords. They want to permanently devolve a taxing and spending authority to Scotland and Wales. I mean, this is essentially, in many ways, the end of the United Kingdom. And, you know, on the offing, we see just over the horizon, uh, you know, in Northern Ireland, uh, Catholic births are far outpacing Protestant births so that the idea of reunification of the Irish state is, is a reality now. Yep. And then Scotland will be pushing for, you know, another referendum when they said once in a generation. Well, it turns out they meant, you know, once every four years until they get the answer that they want. True story. So, so you know, things, things could be rapidly coming apart. And the thing I, I would say to your listeners is, why do we care? Why do we care? Uh, you know, we fought a war against these guys. Why do we care what happens in the United Kingdom? Look, uh, the special relationship is a real thing. Um, and as Churchill said, you know, decades and decades ago, the, the, the common allegiance of the English speaking peoples is an important force for good in the world. And as Britain changes demographically and politically, that will have implications for American strategic interests, especially when we look at, 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 a, at a threat like China. Yeah. And uh, hopefully by the time that threat physically presents itself not situationally like it kind of is now uh we have leadership you know in 
up on Capitol Hill and in the White House that's going to be able to handle that kind of a situation. We certainly don't right now, especially after we saw the, the bumbling disaster that was Joe Biden's United Nations speech where he went up there and said, like, half of our country is bad and I'm going to give the rest of the world literally as much money as we could possibly get out before he either is out of office or gets impeached in January. I do kind of want to segue down here to the states. You know, one of the things I actually wrote a substack about this last month uh, right after the election it's, it's what's going on with the uh, Alaska House special race and, and moving towards the general election. That seat, Bob Young's old, or um, Don Young's old seat, uh, up for election again. And then uh, what's going on with Lisa Murkowski in the general election versus Kelly Chewbacca. Uh, ranked choice voting was something a lot of people didn't know about until they saw kind of how the experts laid it out after the election and how the Republican ticket can essentially get 62% of the total vote and someone who's in the mid-30s goes and takes a seat that was held by Republicans for over 40 years. Um, I know this is something that you are definitely sounding the alarm on now. It seems like ranked choice voting just may be the Democrats' perfect counter to massive Republican day of voting turnout. And uh, we need to get these things I mean, it only passed in Alaska by a little, I think it was 1.15%. We have to get that back on the ballot. We have to get it out of there. And, and for the 26 other major cities and 11 other states where it's on the ballot as well, make sure it's getting, you know, not selected as the way that we're going to be moving forward with voting in the future. What, what are you seeing with some of the things that are problematic about it? Yeah, so the first thing I'd lay out is um, a telltale sign that an electoral tool is not in the interests of Republican or conservative or populist voters is whether or not Eric Holder is involved. Bingo. Uh, Eric Holder's organization um, that ostensibly was focused originally just on redistricting commissions is now spending hundreds of millions of dollars across the country to uh, push and enact ranked choice voting. So they, they were behind the effort in Maine, which also cost us a House seat yep. two years ago. Um, and they were behind the efforts in Oakland and San Francisco and then New York City. And they also helped fund as an outside spending group um, the effort that, that you mentioned in Alaska. And, and look, why is Eric Holder uh, and, and some of the Soros, uh, you know, uh, constellation of, of third, third party groups, why are they interested in this? For the very precise reason you, you said, uh, changing from first past the post which is the system we have now. You get, you get a bare majority, you get, you, you know, you get 28% in a five field, five candidate field, you win. Um, changing that to ranked choice makes it seem to voters like we have more say, but in reality, what it does is it neutralizes controversial or in, you know, Sarah Palin's case, widely known controversial candidates yep. and you know, putridable trust put it well, uh, ranked choice is a nicer kinder form of voting that will accentuate moderate candidates. Um, and, and I think that's, that's by design. So look, they want to bring this to a theater near you. Uh, there are efforts to put this on the ballot in Missouri. Uh, it's, it's already being, uh, you know, put, put to the test uh, in Washington state, Oregon, yep. and California. <laughs> and I, I bet you we will see it pushed in Arizona, Nevada, and here in Idaho soon. Um, sort of as demonstration, uh, you know, projects. So um, it's, it's bad news. It's bad news for Republicans. It's bad news for, for conservative candidates in particular. <laughs> and, you know, when it was first proposed in California, there was a, uh, a, a California politician who served with Schwarzenegger, Abel Maldonado. Yeah. And Abel Maldonado said, and he was open about it. 
look, um, this is the way that we gut the extremist, as he called it, the extremist wing of the Republican Party. We want a more moderate, a more get along to go along Republican Party. And by doing an open primary, by doing a jungle ranked primary and then ranked choice voting, uh, we'll eliminate the possibility of getting controversial candidates as nominees. And read between the lines. Controversial candidate just means anyone who's willing to put America first. Yep. That's what it is. Yeah, and it also provides the cover to allow like the most progressive to run a completely moderate campaign and then move as far to the left as they can as soon as they get in office, which I don't really think we're going to see with that Alaska's uh, special House seat election candidate. I mean, as long as she kind of stays a little bit conservative on like the fishing and game industry there, she should be all right moving into this. But when you just look at the numbers, Sarah Palin should have been close to like 48% if Nick Begich would have been eliminated or, or, or not in the race, and that would have given her like a 12 point lead and win for the special election moving forward to the general. Then now we're kind of in this situation. Begich d- decided not to drop out, even though there was a lot of pressure from the Palin campaign and from President Trump. And now it's, you know, MAGA versus a conservative versus a really crappy Democrat House seat. And, and there's there's a better than average chance that we won't be able to win that back in November just because it's pretty much the same equation as it was in the special election. Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, look, this this same dynamic, as I mentioned, happened in Maine a few years ago. And I think people kind of just shrugged and said, well, you know, like, what do we expect? It's Maine. Yeah. Um, but now the idea that we will lose a, a an at-large Republican seat in the House in Alaska should be a wake-up call for a lot of people. And then those who have been following, you know, the back and forth between Senator Murkowski and, and President Trump, you should know that one of the people who really pushed hard for the ranked choice voting to, to get it across the finish line in Alaska uh, was Senator Murkowski. Yeah. Her former chief of staff left her office and took over the initiative process to see that, 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 that ballot measure um, enacted. And it makes sense because she's going to be a direct beneficiary of this. No, you're, it's you're be very hard to take Murkowski out with ranked choice voting. Yep, and that's exactly what it was. She fought for it because she knew it would be an eventually safety net, especially when she saw how hard Donald Trump was going to be come, you know, coming after her and how popular even before the race started Kelly Chewbacca was in the state. You know, she's she's her and her family have been involved in just about everything there and and she, she's obviously America first and you could tell by when Donald Trump went up there. I still think even though he's had some bangers of a rally this year, that Alaska one was by far his best and I think it's because I agree. You finally found an audience that matched his energy level. Like it goes up and down in all the other rallies. I thought the one he did last week in Ohio was fairly good. But that Alaska one, like we do a full breakdown of it on our show every time he has a rally. Like you have not heard an energized crowd like that, like anywhere else in the country since probably the 2016 cycle. Uh, Theo, I know you're dying here, and we really appreciate the fact that you came on the show with us. I do want to touch on what you spoke on at NatCon uh, 3 recently because uh, I know you're out there really trying to promote good, strong, conservative principles moving forward in this country. Obviously, we're, we're so close, 46 days until the general election, and then we have that little window of, of the Dems burning the country down for about 60 more days before we take back the House and Senate and then can focus on the general moving forward in addition to all the stuff we got to start putting uh, Band-Aids on from the last two years having to deal with this administration. How was that event, and, and what are some of the things you talked about? Yeah, two things I'll say. Uh, NACON 3 was was incredible. Uh, people should be really excited about what um, those guys, especially the Burke Foundation and Norm Harzani and some of those other those, some of those figures are putting together. This is a, a really incredible coalition of the different parts of national conservatism. You know, you've got Christians, you've got Jews, you've got Catholics, you've got 
you know, um, evangelicals, you've got people who want to focus on common good economics. You've got folks who want to talk about common good originalism in the law. Um, it's, it's an impressive array of, of good minds and, and really exciting personalities. I was there talking about ESG, which I know you guys have talked about on this show quite a bit. Sure. Uh, the environmental social governance. This is essentially how woke corporations are controlling America's pension funds. Uh, you know, how they're, you know, deplatforming, um, you know, certain advocacy organizations like the NRA. And, you know, honestly, my, my speech, which will be available on, on YouTube soon, I believe, for, for people to take a, take a quick look at, I, I was there really kind of criticizing the default conservative position. We've got a lot of very well-known conservatives, one in particular, Vivek Ramaswamy, who have essentially been advocating for what, what they call corporate neutrality. Um, you know, we, we don't want corporations espousing American values. We don't want them taking an interest in American workers. We just want them to stop advocating for the pro-trans yep. and, you know, the, the, the diversity, equity, inclusion stuff. And my take on that is, look, uh, corporations haven't been neutral for decades. No. And the idea that corporations get benefits from our system of law under incorporation doctrine, they get tax subsidies, and then they, in some instances, get outright you know, wealth transfers from, from American citizens to do business abroad. Um, they should be uh, punished in many instances for flagrantly violating our values or undermining our laws. And the best example I gave you know, was this is exactly what Governor DeSantis is doing in Florida. When he went after the Disney Corporation, when he pulled the, the environmental climate change stuff out of the state pension fund. Yep. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, we, we're going to be anti-market or that we're, you know, somehow going to socialize the economy. It just means that if you want the benefits of our system of law, that, you know, look, you, sh you should tip your cap to the, the men and women, the workers and the citizens who give you those benefits. And advocating for the sexualization of our children or, you know, doing uh, secret favors like Google and Apple and Facebook do for the Chinese that's just not, it's not going to be allowed anymore. Not in red states. No, it, it, it's, I mean, moving forward, it's one of these things where how much, when you look at things like chips and vaccines and pharmaceuticals and now automotive, uh, you know, we, uh, every single progressive governor in the United States swears to God that every gas powered car is going to be off the freeways by 2035. Yeah. But we have to like literally bend knee to China to get the, the most important things to, uh, you know, power those cars while we get need the chips and the processors from Taiwan, who's eventually going to be taken over by China. And it's just like, how many more times could we ram our heads into the wall just at the sole cause of social justice, which, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I was actually talking with somebody about this the other day. This is going to be a really embarrassing time period for the United States. I honestly do think it's transitory, not like the economy, but honestly, this whole woke ideology thing will eventually go away and we're just going to look back on it at like the rubble of torn down statues and, and dusting off history books that we don't teach children anymore all for the sake of like being more inclusive to the rest of the world who honestly doesn't care about us and can't wait for us to fail yeah yeah i think that's right and i think to get to that dustbin of history moment what we need is for governors like desantis and yep. you know there's a coalition of 27 uh, red state treasurers who have pulled their money out of BlackRock yes. and Vanguard to protect their pensions against the DEI and ESG agenda. We, we, we can't just sit back. We actually have to take aggressive action 
to push back on this crap because the, the default position of just say, oh, well, you know, they'll correct for themselves or we just want them to be neutral yep. and you know, focus on maximizing profits. Well, look, that that's not going to get us anywhere. That's just going to get us to more, uh, you know, DEI inclusion czars um, and, and more of what we saw here in Idaho a couple of weeks ago where made major global corporations were openly funding, you know, kids drag show Horrible. and, you know, uh, you know, drag reading hour with adult um, performers all advocating for the sexualization of, of red state children. Uh, and these are the same companies that get, you know, tax benefits and, yep. and preferred incorporation subsidies here from the citizens of Idaho. So, you know, I, I think um, in order to get to that, that dustbin of history, the rubble of, of this ridiculous moment, we still have to be incredibly aggressive and push our elected leaders, especially red state governors, to take a posture on this. Yeah, they really do. I mean, when they keep saying it, it goes back to the state. States' rights is fine for everything ex- except canceling the woke agenda, flying migrants anywhere, <laughs> and, and, and things of that nature. We, we can't, oh, and, and fixing anything to do with elections Every, and, and abortion. Those four things, states' rights don't count. Everything else, you know, uh, drag queen, strip club, story time hour, and all this other BS that they're doing right now, and just making sure that they diversify some of the most prestigious universities in the country all the way up to the most major corporations with people who are unqualified and unprepared and uneducated to do those jobs just because what they identify as or the color of their skin or whatever. I think it's absolutely horrible and an embarrassment. BlackRock and Vanguard are freely operating in this country doing the same manipulative things that they do to like third world countries that are like man your country's so crappy let us come in and buy everything and fix it and then we'll just like oh oh you can't afford to pay us to fix it well now we own it and uh, you know ask all the people in like places like Africa and Mexico parts of Italy who got really crushed and Australia and New Zealand during COVID uh, what those corporations did where they literally own portions of those countries now and uh, we, we just can't allow them to do that China does the same exact thing they'll go in and they'll bank countries to like repair their infrastructure and when they can't make the payments they're just like well that's a nice airport we built now we own it yeah and and and, And i think i think like the boomer con position on that is there's nothing we can do we just have to you know roll into the fetal position and plead with blackrock and vanguard and say could could you please maybe consider not buying up all our subdivisions and turning them into rentals could could you please maybe just be neutral on the trans issue and what i was advocating for in the natcon speech was no, no 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 like like there are lots of tools that we can use against companies like this who are advocating, as you said, publicly advocating to undermine the well-being and the common good of the nation. Yeah, We don't need to just roll into the fetal position and, and hope for it to end. And you know it's getting bad when, he, when a lot of the moderates up on Capitol Hill, like when they had their like congressional get-back-togethers uh, two weeks ago after, after the summer break or like having – inquiries and and the starts of hearings being like hey we noticed china's buying up the entire country does anybody know why they're doing that and and, and everybody's like i don't know they're like yeah like not only are they buying up all the farms and beachfront properties but all the property that's adjacent to our biggest military bases like i never heard about this but it seems like it's important and it's like you've been a congressman for 36 years yeah so that's that's kind of the situation we're in. Theo, this was awesome. I'm I'm only hoping that you would be so gracious as to come back and visit with us next month. We hit so many topics. I think our listenership's going to love it. We got great feedback last time we were on. And, uh, you know, you were one of the people that kind of held the line with President Trump uh, during the administration. And we really enjoy sitting down to have a conversation with you. Can you tell anyone that's not following you on social media or anything you got going on where you want to direct them? We'll live link it in the show today. 
Yeah, it's uh, at Real Theo Wold on Instagram and uh, and on Twitter, and we've got something cooking today uh, with Notre Dame. Notre Dame caved. The premier conservative law school, my alma mater, has invited a, a trans activist to come and talk, and essentially openly mock Catholic teaching on on the theology of the body and sexuality. So check that out because uh, I think it's. You know, people need to be aware that institutions that they just assume are like what their grandfather or their their parents thought. Oh, you know, it's Notre Dame. It's a great Catholic school. Um, things are changing. And if we want them to change in the direction that that we want to see, we've actually got to fight back and, and, and push back. So at Real Theo Wold. And uh, thanks again for having me on, guys. It's It's always a pleasure. Yeah, you're always a pleasure, and we hope you feel better as well. This is the former deputy assistant to President Trump and current traveling fellow for the Claremont Institute. Theo Wold, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks, guys. Take care. When you and your family go shopping, you probably ask yourself, can we afford this? Now more than ever, Americans are struggling just to get by, wondering if they could even make it. You know what's even worse? The country's struggle goes beyond just the grocery store. Violent crime is at record highs in our streets and neighborhoods. The border has become a national security crisis, with fentanyl killing our fellow citizens. Soaring inflation has shrunk paychecks and sent us into a recession. And our kids have fallen further behind thanks to school closures and lockdowns. The White House and the Democrat majority in Congress control Washington. They're in charge. This is their record. And yet, they want you to give them two more years of power. But Republicans have a plan for a new direction, one that'll get our country back on track. It's called the Commitment to America. A plan for an economy that's strong, where you can feed your family and fill up your tank. A nation that's safe, where communities are protected by the police and criminals are prosecuted. A future that's built on freedom, where your children come first and are taught to dream big. And a government that's accountable, where politicians don't get special treatment. We simply cannot afford two more years of business as usual in Washington. We need common sense change now. If you agree, join us and tens of millions more across this great country. Because people like you, who work hard, play by the rules, deserve better. All right, jumping into the news now. You know, that was the midterm election campaign Commitment to America commercial that was released yesterday. That's pretty solid. It was. Kevin McCarthy, you know, okay, so I'm starting to get few details here. We talked about the golf course meeting where no golf was played in the rain not too long ago. Trump, Don Jr., Eric, Nunez, Boomer Sweats, McCarthy, Scavino, and a few others. Apparently, Kevin McCarthy's been read the Riot Act. And this is basically his last chance to prove to not just President Trump, but the base and the voters in the midterm elections that he's not going to be the next Paul Ryan or Jim Boehner and that he's going to actually lead with an iron gavel moving forward. Um, I heard there was a lot of House reps who we enjoy that had input in what went into that commercial. And... I give it a solid score. I'd say it's an eight. Yeah. Could have been a little bit, you know, stronger. Um, but uh, maybe even talked about Trump-era policies. But I understand where they're going. They're they're catering to the moderates, the walkaways, and the independents as well. So not yet. It's coming soon, though. 
kind of like a flashback to the 90s when Newt Gingrich did the Promise to America campaign and, and had sweeping victories in the House and Senate, which took basically the power away from from Bill Clinton and, and you know, eventually it led to his impeachment. So we saw that yesterday. Uh, one of the things that they highlighted was that, you know, the southern border, uh, we, we just haven't covered it enough with all the stuff that's going on. And, you know, it's one of the things that we saw our worst month, our worst year, and who the hell knows how many people have come into this country now. Like, everybody's just throwing numbers out there, and it's got to be, you know, north of 5 million since, uh, you know, the start of the Biden administration. And we, we were able to confirm through internal documents last week that Venezuela is literally emptying out their prisons, turning over people that should be in jail forever in that country over to NGOs and helping them get to the border. Yeah, and we're not going to know that they have a criminal record because what are we, we're looking at the criminal record here. Does he have one here? No? Yeah. All right, good to go. Yeah. He's never been here before. No, and, uh, you know, it, it's it's really something that we're not focused in on enough because of the midterm elections, but it is one of the, you know, I hate how the Republican message has to be right now because of how much damage the progressives have done to this country that they literally are campaigning on, like, food, fuel, and personal savings. Because those are the things that have pretty much been completely knocked on its head or eradicated since the start of the Biden regime. But, uh, you know, focusing back on the border, there was a lot of news about the border this week. I played part of a... Well, I pulled part of a Tucker from yesterday. He had on a couple great guests. We're, we're going to hear kind of everybody that's that's part of this machine and all the moving parts right now. But let's jump in there and uh, get some of his commentary on it. Now, during their interview with the police, both of the men you just saw admitted they were here illegally. They said they each paid thousands of dollars to be smuggled into the United States. This is very common now. It's not the immigration you remember. Who are these people? Do they mean us harm? It's not simply a matter of competing for jobs with American citizens. It's potentially a grave threat. And a lot of people like this are coming across the border right now. Here's Fox's Bill Malugin. For the very first time, a brand new Fox News drone equipped with thermal imaging captures images of mass illegal crossings in the middle of the night in Eagle Pass, Texas this morning. Migrants could be seen crossing the river and walking onto private property, where over 100 gathered and waited for Border Patrol processing. Sometimes the Del Rio sector here gets upwards of 2,000 illegal crossings in a single day, and this was only one of three huge groups we have already seen so far this morning, and it's not even noon yet out here. Take a look at this second group we saw. This was another group of about 200 who crossed illegally and started walking along a local highway out here. This is how it is in Eagle Pass. You can just be driving down the road and you'll see large groups of several hundred migrants just walking down the highway waiting to be picked up and apprehended by Border Patrol. So we're just getting word right now that the White House, many White House officials are telling, quote, journalists that they are very annoyed by Bill Malugin's reporting. It's, quote, alarmist. In other words, unlike reporters at the Washington Post and the New York Times, Bill Malugin doesn't think that he works for Joe Biden. He's taking pictures of what's actually happening. And that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got hemmed up a little bit by DHS. Mm. He had a little, uh, I mean, we've all seen it before. Jorge Ventura had some video of it himself. He was detained by DHS until they found out exactly what he was down there doing, even though he's a world-renowned reporter yeah. uh, who's been working on the border since the Trump administration. And uh, it's just really alarming to see 
these numbers and to see how broken our system really is. Um, I did see two of our favorites. They were up on Capitol Hill causing a fuss last week. Uh, Representative Chip Roy and James Comer jumped on Tucker together. Uh, follow up on that segment to talk about this and, and some of the things that need to be happening moving forward once we uh, get back power in the House and Senate. Let's hear it. The real problem, these are the bad actors coming in between ports of entry while Border Patrol is distracted. But look, you've got a bunch of rich people in Martha's Vineyard who, sorry to interrupt you between your sip of wine and that cheese plate sitting in your, in your lap, but uh, you got 53 people who come up there and you're like, oh, oh my gosh, we've got some migrants here. How about the 53 migrants that were found in a tractor trailer in San Antonio who are dead? Got him. How about the migrants you were just talking about who have these PVC plastic makeshift markers on graves? How about the little girls being sold in the Sex trafficking trade. And how about the dead Americans, like the four students in Hayes County, where I live, who have been who have died from fentanyl poisonings, or the 72,000 Americans who have died from fentanyl poisonings in the last year, which, Sean, by the way, is more than all of the American casualties in the Vietnam War. That's what's going on. There's a war against the American people being carried out by cartels, and this administration is facilitating it, and they need to be held accountable for it. We ought to impeach Mayorkas. And importantly, Republicans should not provide one more penny, not one more penny to fund a DHS, the $60 billion being used to facilitate cartels to attack the American people. And by the way, my friend Troy there, my colleague is a former sheriff. He ought to be the sheriff in Bear County. We need, we need a sheriff there who isn't going to go try to, uh, you know, investigate uh, Governor DeSantis for daring to highlight and spotlight this issue. Well, Congressman Roy, Chip Roy, let me go back to you for a second here. You want to blame Mayorkas, and I agree with you. He should be held accountable. What I see happening is we have laws in this country. Our laws are based on our Constitution. Uh, when you this is don't why he's boomer abide by the law, you yes. get in trouble. But you got a case where a president is not enforcing the law. You have a case where a president yep. is aiding and abetting law breaking. And if I went down to the border and I put people in the back of my car or I transported them to another state, would I get morning. arrested for human trafficking? Isn't that against the law? And how is it the president gets to pick and choose what laws he's going to enforce and what laws he doesn't want to enforce? Yeah, that's a great question, Sean. He shouldn't be able to do that. Uh, The reason I'm focusing on Alejandro Mayorkas is he actually was brought before the House Judiciary Committee, where your friend and mine, Jim Jordan, is the ranking member. And Mayorkas lied to Congressman Jordan and to me. He lied and said they have operational control of the border. He smirked. He laughed at it. He laughed at what's happening to the American people. He laughed and disregarded what's happening to migrants. Yes, he's disregarding the laws purposely. He's doing it on behalf of the president of the United States, who should also be held accountable. Blood is on their hands. Mm. Dead Americans. I've met with those moms who have had to try to resuscitate their children in their own homes and then are carried out of their house in a body bag because they took a pill. And as the DEA says, one pill can kill. This administration knows what they're doing, and they're doing it on purpose. They blame, they want to blame DeSantis and Abbott, saying that they're using these people as pawns. Stop hitting your mic. No, it is Democrats who are using migrants as pawns to carry out their political endeavors, and they're endangering the American people and migrants in the process. You know, Troy Nels, I'll give you the last word on this, but it seems to me that when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris said the border is secure, and they say it repeatedly, and we don't have a crisis at the border, they're lying, and they're not being held accountable to the laws that they swore an oath to uphold. Didn't they swear upon the Constitution? They don't uphold the laws of the land? Well, I think the American people understand that. Uh, uh, 
she's 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 ridiculous everything she said you can't believe what she said she's embarrassing to our country and if she is the true borders are we'll get down there and solve the problem but she doesn't want to solve the problem this is by design they don't want to solve this crisis millions of people coming in here this administration puts the american people last they put the american people last they always have and now the american people are going to pay for it but i tell you what the american people are paying attention and it's going to be we're going to knock them right over the head in november about $100 billion dollars this will all cost when all said and done, according to estimates. Yep. Congressman Nels, Congressman yeah, Chip Roy. Sean, Sean yeah. we, should, we shouldn't continue to fund this. We should stop funding it I as agree. Republicans. That's right. Uh, thank you both. Uh, programming note, that was Troy Nels who was with Chip Roy. James Comer handed the segment off to them. He was in for a standalone right before that. Um, answer that. We, we, people in our orbit have been blowing the whistle on this globalist agenda for long before this crisis has spiraled out of control now. You know exactly uh, what the plan and the play here. It looks like the Biden administration is executing it perfectly, don't you think? 100%. I mean, this is this was their plan the, the entire time. And we called it way, way before. Did you ever think it was actually going to get this bad? No, honestly, I did not. At the time, like way back when we all kind of figured it out, I didn't think that it would get this bad. But unfortunately, at the same time, I feel like it was kind of necessary to wake up people on all sides and all fronts. It doesn't matter what side you're on. This is a problem, you know, and it's all of our problem. And I feel like it, it needed to happen so people could see it for themselves. If that makes sense? Oh, it totally does. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Well, no, you know, borders ours. <laughs> um, Do we have one? Well, apparently we do. She knows about the space that that brings us together. <laughs> the, one, the ones that tear. No, us no, apart. the border is the one that tears us apart. Yeah, it certainly yeah. is right now. How crazy is that to hear that more people have died from fentanyl overdoses since Joe Biden assumed the White House than than having the entirety of the Vietnam War? It sounds perfectly reasonable. Mm. It's sickening though, because it's like okay, we we see what's caught, but imagine what's not, and it's. It's really scary as a parent, too, just yeah. to think about, you know, the possibility of like, I mean, look at what happens to police officers who just come in contact without, you know, and are careful. What do you do when that happens to your child and you let them, you know, they go out and they go to school and they're out in public and God forbid. I mean, this stuff is out there. Yeah, they should make importation of fentanyl like import importing a, a death sentence no it, yeah but it but it should be like you're importing a chemical weapon yeah 100 percent. because like let's say you know you have one of these cartel smugglers that has a has a buick with a bumper full of fentanyl okay and that thing gets in a accident and goes cartwheeling down the freeway Oof. Yep, just exactly. dusting <laughs> dusting a, a quarter mile of a freeway with fentanyl Jesus. what if it's in front of a school no. Exactly. And that's that's the scary thing. What if it's by the beach when everybody's out there? Like what if, you know, all this other shit? You're right. It it I didn't even think of it that way, but you're right. It literally should be classified a chemical weapon. Yeah. It basically is. I mean Yeah, go go in your kitchen right now and grab your, your uh, bag of flour yeah. and throw it at the wall and see what happens to your fucking house. Or just Open up the bag and dro drop it on the floor and watch uh, watch yeah. just the uh, overall saturation of it. You know, it's pretty funny, too. Donald Trump's 
uh, called for uh, quite a referendum on drug dealers. And, and you know he's tying this to the fentanyl trade. Uh, he oh, wants yeah. to do a little bit like China does with the quick trial and then public execution. Yeah. So, well, why not? I mean, <laughs> at this point, really? Well, I'll tell you why not. It's because, you know, we're seeing new patterns right now, according to uh, the White House press secretary. She was hammered with this yesterday. Let's hear it. For almost two years, we are seeing these apprehensions reach record levels. What exactly went wrong here? So let me just give you, just to put it into context and talk a little bit about the facts of what uh, of what you just mentioned, uh, the numbers that we have seen uh, that was announced by DHS uh, yesterday. So first, these people are, are fleeing uh, communism, as we have said, uh, as you heard DHS say as well. Falling authoritarian regimes in Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Cuba are causing a new migration uh, challenge across the country. She's Western literally telling those countries to empty their new, people here. Uh, definitely a new p- pattern. So not just our, our southern border as well, but our western clearly hemisphere. Uh, but meanwhile, Wait, migration what? from Mexico and northern uh, Central America has come down for three consecutive months and is down by, by nearly half. And what we saw the increase with uh, Ni- uh, Nicaragua, Venezuela, and Cuba is up by 120 Stop saying their names. Nicaragua? So there is a change in the pattern uh, that we have seen most recently. But what we are doing, what we can to work with our regional partners uh, to address this new challenge oh. and process individuals as safely, orderly, oh. and humane oh. way. That is a, a, a campaign commitment that the president has made and continues uh, to move forward with. But you have to remember that not everyone who arrives at the border gets to stay. There is a process uh, in place that we have been moving forward with. You heard us uh, talk about the individual encounters at the border has increased uh, in this year uh, historically than any other year. DHS continues to expel migrants as required by court order under CDC's Title 42. Uh, And so, and those who cannot be uh, expelled under Title 42 are screened and processed to have their claims for relief heard by an immigration judge in in removal proceedings. So again, there's a process that we have been moving forward with. More individuals are encountered at the border and moved through and without a legal basis. Those without a legal basis to remain will be removed. Are you saying they're illegal? Just in case anybody needed an update on that number, it was 208,000 encounters in just September alone. I'm sorry, August of 2022 alone. That is not including the probable hundreds of thousands of getaways. In addition, those all-time high numbers came in at over 2.3 million people with still a couple weeks left in fiscal year 2022 most uh, did, most of all time yeah did, did trump want to build a wall along our western hemisphere as well <laughs> what the fuck was that i don't know <laughs> and what's gonna happen when these people fleeing communism when they come here and realize that they've been tricked into communism yeah like, exactly like you realize that that's what they're trying to do here right like Mm. Yeah. So, you know, y'all are fucked if you think that it's going to fly with these people because they're, I mean, they might come from these countries where they're not super educated and, you know. Um, well, maybe the CIA they, will install they're, they're a... They're smart enough to know <laughs> <laughs> what is going to happen down the road, you know. Maybe, maybe the CIA will install a nice government in Venezuela and we can all buy beachfront property. Mm. You know what? I mean, that could be like, you know... The icing and the silver lining. And maybe that's where all of our, uh, pol- <laughs> all of our government like officials are going to go. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to, I'm going to start looking at real estate there now. Actually, that's interesting. 
<laughs> yeah, there's probably a lot of stuff you could buy there. Now, what are the squatting know. rights there? I just maybe I'll just fly over and <laughs> never leave. Don't you just get shot? Oh yeah, that's true. I so. machete <laughs> to, to the head. And when I say no one was safe, no one was safe. Joe Biden tried to make a quick exit from the podium, but they parked it too far away from the door before he was <laughs> hammered uh, by the press, who wasn't satisfied with the bullshit answers that that you know uh, KJP gave, and actually got all crotchety and snapped back at the media. Uh, let's hear his response. We're overwhelmed under your watch, Mr. President. On the border, why is we're overwhelmed under your watch? On the border, why is the border more overwhelmed under your watch, Mr. President? Because there are three countries that are never have there are fewer there are fewer immigrants coming from Central America and from Mexico. This is a totally different circumstance. What's on my watch now is Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua, and the ability to send them back to those states is not rational. You could send them back and have them wait. We're working with Mexico and other countries to see if we can stop the flow. But that's the difference. Thank you. And they would continue to hammer him. I didn't pull it because it was the audio was really bad. They were asking him about, how do you feel about Ron DeSantis sending people by plane? And he's like, I heard Delaware's got nice beach shores this time of year. They're going to have to, like, start skyhooking him out of there like in Batman. Did like, you hear him get all pissed <laughs> off and slam the door? He's going to smoke bomb and then just get sucked out the window. Hey, hey, watch me. <laughs> I've never even seen any cognitive decline before on myself. Watch me. I saw Josh Hawley yesterday. You ever seen me eat pudding? Mm. Ew. <laughs> he, ju he jumped on the Botox Queen. Yeah. He jumped on the Botox Queen show to talk about... Um, Maybe something a little new after, after, yeah, after the midterm elections because we're looking for 33-ish Republican governors and, you know, all of the governors on the southwest border now with, uh, you know, Ron Chetty coming in strong in New Mexico, Carrie Lake in Arizona, and then obviously Greg Abbott in Texas. Maybe doing something about it state rights-wise in regards to removing these people from the country. Holly weighed in on Ingram's show last night. Let's hear it. Yeah, so this bill would change federal law. The Supreme Court ruled that way uh, about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, based on federal law. My bill would change it and say, listen, if Joe Biden isn't going to enforce our immigration laws, why don't we let the states enforce immigration laws? State of Texas would love to. State of Florida, state of Arizona, they'd love to enforce the immigration laws. Let's let them do it. Let's let them secure the border. Let's let them deport illegal immigrants according to our laws. The states will get to make up their own laws, but they can enforce federal law. They should. This bill would allow them to do it. Let's take the gloves off here. Let's enforce the law. Let's restore some order to the border. I kind of like it. Order to the border. Order to the border. From my dark horse for possible VP picks. Somebody's going to make a Taco Bell uh, logo that says that. Order for the border. There's the big south of the border sign when you come down I-95 heading from uh, the northeast to Florida. That's when you know you're you're finally in the south. I think it's right at the uh, North Carolina, South Carolina state line. There's like a huge guy wearing a sombrero. It's the first place you can buy fireworks, too. Nice. Funny. Yeah. And, uh... I mean, I'm surprised that of all the statues they've removed in the United States, that one hasn't been removed because it is like your stereotypical, like, 50s comic uh, interpretation of, like, what a Hispanic person would look like. <laughs> well, <clears throat> thanks to you, now it'll probably get taken down. No, because everybody there has guns and obviously fireworks, too. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> you start trying to take it down, people just start roaming, candling you. Yeah, <laughs> which would be perfect. I literally was picturing that. So, um, 
Well, you know, there's there's one person who who did his best to secure this border besides Donald Trump uh, throughout the course of the last administration, and that was former top advisor Stephen Miller. Um, I saw he jumped on one of the shows last night and really kind of, well, does what he does, pontificates better than just about anybody and, and talks about how, you know, not only is this out of control, but what can we do moving forward to fix it? And I think, uh, you know, you just have to, Look at it from the standpoint of of how this is really starting to affect regular people now, not just the crap that happened in like Martha's Vineyard and when they dropped a whole bunch of people off on on Hillary Clinton's front lawn. But when, you know, kids test scores are going down and they can't keep blaming it on COVID as we put years of distance between it and, uh, you know, the job wages getting forced down because of, listen, you let five plus million people into this country, you know, the manufacturing business and the agricultural sector, like where people are looking for at least moderately competitive wages to take care of their family. Now these wages are getting drawn down so much because there's no E-Verify and there's illegals working all over the, you know, Southern parts of the United States in, in, in these, you know, areas of work. Yeah. People are just picking their price and that's what they want. They want to be able to just go on the lowest end of, I mean, you think they're going to do the $15 minimum wage for farm workers in some of these, like, remote places? No. See? See? No. Let's hear Stephen Miller uh, get into it with Tucker. White House for four years, mostly in immigration. He's the founder of America First Legal. We're happy to have him tonight. Stephen Miller, thanks so much for joining us. He's a new I have dad, to say, too. The one thing I admire about Martha's Vineyard is they don't even mess around. He does I wonder the blue why steel good. Republicans don't do the same. Out of here. Now. Military base. Wow. Here. He's like... Well, of course, that's what needs to be done. It needs to be done in every Republican state. And in the meantime, wherever it's possible, wherever it's necessary, we should be sending illegal aliens that can't be deported for any reason by the governors to wherever rich white Democrats live, the billionaires who are financing the monstrosity that Biden has wrought mm. on our country. But I want to pick up on something very important Start that you said those pool houses. in your monologue, yeah. which is that illegal immigration is happening from countries that you never imagined in your entire life. Illegal immigration from Pakistan, Yemen, Senegal, Afghanistan, Somalia, Syria, all throughout Asia, all throughout the world. This is 150 countries descending illegally on our borders and being allowed free entry by the Biden administration. That includes a number that is never discussed and never reported and not even counted in official release statistics, which is that the Biden administration has helped human traffickers and smugglers relocate into the United States yep. almost 300,000 unaccompanied minors. 300,000 minors. This is the largest human and child trafficking operation in world history. I dare anyone to find anywhere in the world that so many illegal immigrant children have been trafficked ever. And, and Biden is doing it using government resources, government planes, government workers. It's, it's beyond belief. And you wonder how long. I mean, by the way, if the law means nothing, then why are the rest of us following it? Mm. Yep. It's a war on the middle class, Tucker. And if it isn't yeah. reversed, there will not be a country left to save. I love him. My nips get hard every time he goes off on uh, like one of those rants like that. But you want to know what? He's absolutely right. Um, yeah, take that number of children and then turn around and be like, hey, U.S. government, DHS or whoever, where are they? Yeah. 
Tell me where they are, all I, of them. I guarantee if you really went into I want to door knock at least, you know, give me two pages of people. I'm going to door knock you. every single one. I'll get like five out of 100. Yeah. And you can only imagine the things that these kids are probably going to, uh, going through from. Well, they've already proven that they're going to people that aren't their actual uh, relatives. They're being put into slavery, basically. Yep. It's It's insane. It's from the worst working conditions possible to. God knows who what when when you're talking about like the uh, the sex trade, which is something that we nobody likes to talk about on either side of the aisle. And I really think if we surprise Apple's not bringing back all their uh, factories over here, oof. they could put all those kids to work in their uh, sweatshops. Phil Knight, if you're listening, you could you could manufacture those sneakers here for mm. low low prices. You don't even need the whips; they'll just work for it. But, uh, you know, like I said, it's been a while since we've thrown a little border uh, in here and there when stuff's happening. But I think with the release of the numbers this week, and then you obviously saw some major pushback from whistleblowers within the Department of Homeland Security, the the one who's come out and talked about how they used the whole basis for the January 6th investigation by taking that one event and spider webbing where everybody geographically lived throughout the country to say it was like a network of domestic terrorists. Weird. So weird. Uh, that that whistleblower has been put on unpaid administrative leave. What happened to that whistleblower protection thing we always hear about? Imagine that. Is, I, that. is that not a thing? Now you know why Congress people on the Republican side get laughed at by their Democrat counterparts when they go up and, you know, they're, they're oh, you're wasting time by talking about this when they're saying they should appropriate funds for whistleblowers who get consequenced for whistleblowing because the Dems are like, oh, that never happens. And then, like, literally two weeks later it happens, which was two weeks after. And they're going to ignore the fact that it happened. Yeah, because it was two weeks after uh, Merrick Garland put out that memo that pretty much re-outlined, like, in the most legalese way possible, if you're working for the federal government and you blow the whistle, you're a scumbag. That's basically what he said in that memo. And that was because... People started, well, obviously they saw the, the names of the two agents who signed on to the Mar-a-Lago raid, and they're like, hey, these people were in the Russiagate investigation. They were both literally named in it. And then you see Garland come out and say that, like, oh, yeah, you can't, what are you blowing the whistle for? You can't blow the whistle. We're one team, one fight. And uh, This is our whistle. Yeah, just our whistle. Don't, and, don't you touch my whistle. And it'll crush you. Mm. And, and it is. Like I said, these next 46 days... And the 60 days after, once we take back power, before they actually turn the gavel over, it's going to be some of the, I hope just figuratively, darkest times uh, for the House and Senate. Um, more so in the House, but you, you think uh, the DOJ and the FBI is ready for America First to come in there and everything's going to be just absolutely fine. They know, especially in the top, the seventh floor at the FBI building, those jobs are coming to an end extremely soon, as early as January, if not sooner, because if if we flip it in November, some of them might just start be bound. It's like when we leave the embassies and countries we're abandoning and you see them all burning the documents in the courtyard. We might be seeing some of that in front of the FBI building. <laughs> Would it surprise any of no, us? No, no, we're just barbecuing ribs. And papers and documents. Yes. Would you, do you want coleslaw with your... Bring me Redacted some more of those documents. Clinton emails. I mean, charcoals. <laughs> so, but we'll see what happens. Right now, we're going to jump into some America First interviews, and uh, we'll bring it back with news, too, in just a bit. All right, jumping in next on the show today, he's the Trump-endorsed America First Republican nominee for Arizona 2 in the U.S. House of Congress. He's coming back on the show today with a big update. Mr. Eli Crane, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. 
Uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. As we're talking to a lot of candidates now and coordinating with a lot of them, the ones who can jump in briefly on the phone for an update like you, you guys are, are burning the candle at both ends. Before I get into anything, though, congratulations is in order on your big primary win. How has the rollout into the general election season been treating you? You know, it's been really good. I, I feel like most of the uh, most of the people here in Arizona in the Republican Party and uh, even uh, – you know, just voters and citizens have coalesced behind uh, those of us that won the primary, and uh, we're doing everything that we can to go out and beat Democrats now. How has the pushback been from the other side since we've made it to where it's general election season and now we're, we're up against, you know, uh, obviously the conservatives versus the progressives? Um, you know what? Are you talking about how has the pushback been from uh, Democrats or how – yeah, Is that what you're talking I about? mean, you saw in a lot of campaigns, Democrats were maybe even funding Republicans and, you know, they were worried about infighting within their own tickets. And now that you guys are lined up head to head, Republican and Democrat heading into the general election, have you seen a lot more attacks and stuff like that coming? A couple of notable races across the country. I don't know if you've seen it over the last couple of days. J.R. Majewski comes to mind. John Gibbs comes to mind with just some smearish like stuff coming out there that, I mean, obviously you expect and, and pretty much it's already debunked. But the fact of the matter is it's just getting into the, uh, you know, last 46 days before the election here, you would expect to see it. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think that what we're, a lot of what we're seeing out here is, is that especially those of us that are Trump endorsed in Arizona, you know, the left is just labeling us radicals. We're too radical to represent and serve. And, um, you know, I, I don't think the, uh, I don't think the, the voting base is buying it one bit. I think that they, uh, they understand that when the left calls us radical, we, we, we just love this country and um, we radically love this country and we want to see it preserved. Uh, we want to see it saved. They know that this country's in trouble. And so um, they, they want to see a new type of candidate. And I think we've got a pretty good slate of them out here in Arizona. No, we certainly do, and that, that whole ticket top to bottom is probably the finest one in the entire country. We've had all of you guys on since day one and look forward to seeing you guys all have extremely successful uh, you know, runs through the general election. I do want to get into some of the specifics of your race because right now we're at a point to where we need to point these things out for our listenership, our big Arizona base, people who are going to continue to donate from you out of, out of state. Now, Tom O'Halloran, who's uh, your, your general election opponent, you, you talk about things that are radical and, and things that you're being accused of. I think one of the most uh, offensive things that we've seen from the Biden administration since they took over was that appropriations for the nearly 90,000 IRS agents in the next fiscal year. It, uh, your general election opponent and, and Democrat challenger supports this 100% and voted with it. That's correct? Yeah, that is correct. And one of the things I find most interesting about it is when he was asked whether he supported it if he supported that, why he supported that many IRS agents, basically doubling the size of the IRS, he said that um, it's because we need more revenue streams. He wow. actually believes our government needs more revenue streams. When I think the American people realize that one of the biggest reason we're in this uh, spot with inflation that we haven't seen in 40 years is because of um, the spending of the federal government. We know that it's not a revenue stream problem. It's a fiscal responsibility problem. You actually need representation and officials in there that will say, no, we're not spending money that we don't have anymore. We're not going to continue to, you know, print money um, and spend it on, you know, all of, all of the stuff that we don't need. 
And it just goes to show the difference in priority between the Democratic Party um, and many of us who are fiscal conservatives, many of us who are American America first, um, you know, conservatives as well. I mean, you know, you have to at some point realize that you can only spend so much money um, and you you have to be able to say no at times because we're in a really bad spot and we have no fiscal responsibility, you know, and Tom O'Halloran is leading the charge with Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and the rest of the Democratic Party. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, we use border walls as like a, a pseudo currency on steak for breakfast. Since the start of the Russia-Ukraine conflict, we have sent 22 border walls worth of cash funding and aid over to the Ukraine crisis. In addition to that, Joe Biden just went and threw another $3 billion into apparently feeding the wall, uh, feeding the world at the United Nations General Assembly uh, this week as part of his speaking event there. But staying in your race, now, one of the most, cra- we've heard a lot of crazy things throughout this election cycle. I mean, there's what's going on with Fetterman and Oz. You've heard Tim Ryan up in uh, Ohio say that, you know, the only way to stop Donald Trump and all of his MAGA supporters is to put a bullet in them. Kind of staying in the same thread. Tom O'Halloran has a really weird take on the Second Amendment and what we should be doing with things like our shotguns and ARs. Uh, when I heard it, I couldn't believe it. And then I went and read through the article and I was like, this guy is really trying to even think about trying to push legislation like this through Congress at some point in the future. You want to let our listenership know about what his take on the second amendment entails? Yeah, absolutely guys. Um, and, uh, AWR Hawkins at Breitbart news did a really good story on it a couple weeks back. And, uh, Tom O'Halloran in an interview when he was asked, um, about these, uh, AR 15s, you know, he started by saying how, you know, they're horrible weapons, uh, people shouldn't have them, but if they do, um, you know, they should have to be locked up in an offsite location um, like they do in other countries where you could go to an offsite location, you know, check out your weapon, shoot it, but then you couldn't, you'd have to lock it back up and you couldn't bring it back home with you. And that the problem with that is twofold. One, we have a constitution, yes. uh, which guarantees are unalienable or our God-given right to keep and bear arms. So that's number one. And number two is Tom O'Halloran actually swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. So it just goes to show that, one, he doesn't care about the Constitution. And quite frankly, he doesn't even care about oaths that he takes to uphold and support them. You know, that's that's problematic in so many other so many ways. I mean, what else is he going to tell you that, you know, he swears he swears I'm going to uphold this oath. And then the moment it's not convenient for him or he doesn't like the language of something, you know, he, he changes his mind and he backtracks on it. That that that's pretty dangerous as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, and I'm hoping that, you know, the folks here in Arizona understand the implications of that and uh, that there's never been a more important time to support um, the Second Amendment and uh, everything that uh, everything that comes with us, because this government, guys, continues to become, you know, more overreaching, um, more totalitarian every single day. And I know that it's gotten to the point where I have conversations with Republicans and conservatives, and it's like you, you almost see them whisper before they talk about how crazy our government is gotten and or they'll turn off their cell phone or they'll they'll put their cell phone somewhere else because they're so afraid of how ridiculous our government um is becoming and and, you know clearly tom o'halloran is part of that system no he's not he's part of the establishment and and he's part of that whole 
you know, demographic of people who have never had real jobs, and now they think they can just go up on Capitol Hill and dictate how everybody else's life. That that whole gun thing, like no, they're they're seriously. His whole take on it is you can buy an AR, you can own one, but when you want to use it, you have to go check it out of like literally a state or countywide community locker where it will be held when you're not using it at the range. Yeah. Well, it, wow. it's interesting, guys. Tom O'Halloran actually was a cop. He was a police officer in, uh, I believe, Chicago. He was a detective. And so it just blows my mind because nobody understands um, crime and, uh, you know, how much danger a lot of citizens are on a daily basis like police officers. Right. And they also understand even even if police, even if a citizen who's in trouble calls the police officer in, in a good part of the country, um, it's usually a three or four minute response time. So it just blows my mind that somebody who has had an intimate uh, relationship with protecting other people um, who, who, who now has you know, decided to not only not support the Second Amendment of the uh, Constitution, but he's also not supporting our ability to protect and defend ourselves, which is just baffles me. Yeah, it certainly does. And we've seen similar things with other politicians throughout the country who's coming to mind right now is, is uh, New York City mayor. Well, you mean and- the burglars aren't going to wait for me to go check out my guns so I can... Well, that's it. You got to drive forty miles to check it out. But New York, New York Mayor Eric Adams, who who was you know uh, worked his way up through the NYPD, and you thought he was going to kind of run on law and order, and look at how that whole city has just fallen from grace. And uh, it seems like we're experiencing some of the same things with your general election opponent Tom Halloran. And uh, Eli, moving forward, is there anything else you want to hit hard on the campaign trail when you're out there? You've got a pretty well established ground game, as do all the Arizona candidates. That it's really resonating with them, and then. And obviously any way that our listenership can help you. No, I, I appreciate you guys, all the support um, that you've given us, all the support from your audience. Um, just so y- your audience understands, we, we do have pretty late primaries here in Arizona and uh, we had them in early August. So we only had three months to recoup, um, you know, and, and go, go try and fight Tom O'Halloran who didn't have a primary. Um, he had $2 million in the bank when we came through the primary. So we're definitely at a deficit we know we don't have to match Tom O'Halloran dollar for dollar, but if, if any of you out there have the ability, um, you know, to support another America first candidate like myself who want to see Nancy Pelosi go away, um, you know, this is the third, I think it's the number three race in the country that's most likely to flip from yep. blue to red. So it's a very winnable seat. I'm a very America first candidate. I love this country. I've spent my life as a form, you know, a Navy SEAL and then, a, then an entrepreneur. So uh, I've, I've got some pretty unique experiences that I think will, you know, help out a lot up on Capitol Hill. And if you guys are willing to and able to help us, just please go to Eli for Arizona, you know, kick us 10, 15 bucks, whatever you can. It, it will go a long way. We'll spend it wisely and uh, we will retire Tom O'Halloran this year. We certainly will, and uh, we'll live link that in your show dis- or uh, your social medias in our show description today, Eli. And we wish you guys the best of luck and health down here in the stretch. Just 46 days away from heading out to the ballot box and, and overwhelming those polls like everyone did in the primary. And uh, you know, in between that time between uh, election day and getting sworn in, we'll have you back, and you can take a little victory lap on steak for breakfast with us. Nice. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. God bless you. You as well. This is the America First Trump-endorsed U.S. House nominee, Arizona 2. Eli Crane, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks, guys. Let us speak plainly. 
A permanent member of the United Nations Security Council invaded its neighbor, attempted to erase a sovereign state from the map. Russia has shamelessly violated the core tenets of the United Nations Charter. No more important than the clear prohibition against countries taking the territory of their neighbor by force. Again, just today, President Putin has made overt nuclear threats against Europe mm. and a reckless disregard for the responsibilities of the non-proliferation regime. Now, Russia is calling, calling up more soldiers to join the fight, and the Kremlin is organizing a sham referenda to try to annex parts of Ukraine, an extremely <clears throat> significant violation of the UN Charter. That was Joe Biden yesterday at the UN General Assembly. Um, he was talking about, obviously, the uh, money laundering operation that's become the conflict between two geographic rivals over historical and, you know, ethnic portions of disputed territory, which has been disputed for quite a long time. Um, pretty embarrassing to see him up there. Definitely a stark contrast to when Donald Trump went to the United Nations and railed on the globalists and uh, had one of his best speeches ever there, which was the 2018 UN General Assembly, where he basically told the globalists to go fuck themselves. Like, it's not happening here. And look how far we've fallen in just nearly two short years. Yeah, I don't think the Russian Federation cares about the UN Charter. No. Uh, well, the thing is, you talk about the UN Charter and then NATO. I mean, NATO has done nationally what they promised they wouldn't let Russia do. They've pretty much encircled them and, you know, given them no option as to, like, when you have a military force as big as NATO and all its allies, geographically, minus, like, you know, some of the U European partners and then uh, the U.K. and the United States, like, literally parked on your backyard. I mean, we all see what China does with their, uh, when they do military. Yeah, their, uh, their Navy exercises. Yeah, right off the coast. I mean, they did it off of every single portion of, of Taiwan last time, right after Pelosi left. And and I'm sure Russia, you know, in regards to their sovereignty, and we're not sticking up for them. The, the comments that Vladimir Putin made yesterday were some of the most reckless ones I've heard from him mm -hmm. in a long time. And he literally said, like, we will use every option on the table, semicolon, you know what that means. I'm not bluffing. Like, that's what the translator, like, had it as, like, you know, uh, the, the prospect of tactical nukes getting used in this conflict right now are probably greater than ever. Yeah, which is wild. I mean, that just basically means the world's over. But don't worry about it because we wanted to segue real quick and, and spend just a couple more border walls. I mean, billions of dollars. Mm. Uh, well, this time it, was, it wasn't for the Ukraine money laundering operations. It was to feed the world. Acute food insecurity. Oh, God. A jump of 40 million in a year. <gasps> Today I'm announcing another $2.9 billion in U.S. support for life-saving humanitarian and food security assistance for this year alone. Russia, in the meantime, is pumping out lies, trying to pin the blame for and the fuel. crisis, the food crisis, on the sanctions imposed by many in the world for the aggression against Ukraine. 
So let me be perfectly clear about something. Our sanctions explicitly allow, explicitly allow Russia the ability to export food and fertilizer. No limitation. It's Russia's war that is worsening food insecurity, and only Russia can end it. I'm grateful for the work here at the UN, including your leadership, Mr. Secretary General, establishing a mechanism to export grain from black sea ports in Ukraine that Russia had blocked for months. Now, that's the thing. A lot of people didn't realize it until just over a week ago because Ukraine was finally able to start exporting their grain to the world, and Russia, you know, who's undergoing the worst sanctions in the history of sanctions, even though economically they're flourishing right now and deciding who in, in pretty much mainland Europe gets to have lights and heat mm-hmm. this coming winter and who doesn't, uh, said, hey, we've got a global food crisis. We're, we're sending fertilizer and grain to all the poor countries. Ukraine's sending it to all the countries that pay for it, and, and they're getting top dollar for it. It's not fair. So everybody else in like NATO was like, oh, let's pile on more fucking sanctions. Like They can't even say that. But, but they're supposed to be going to Africa. They're going to Europe. We see the boats. They're going yeah. to, like, what are you doing? You're making us feed the poor people. And, and then they're going to Europe and, and getting top dollar for their grain. Like, where's the fairness in that? You want us to come to the negotiating table. They're, they're making money, and, and we're giving it away. Especially if you're going to talk about food insecurity. God. Like, why would you even use that term? That's just such a fucking idiotic term. People are fucking dying because they don't have food. It's not food insecurity. It just makes irritable bowel insecurities. Yeah, fucking president insecurity. He was back on the campaign trial today, uh, and they, they are running him ragged right now. I, part of me thinks it's because they know that the, the impeachments are coming in January, and they want to pretty much roll out as much garbage as they can between now and then. And you'd never believe it. He spoke at a high school gym and the campaign stop to dozens talking about, well, some of his favorite domestic terrorists. Is that shop teacher with the big old titties there? Mm. Looking for their hand-picked judges to deny relief to those hard-working Americans. They will not succeed, in my view, but that's what they're looking for. And finally, with a straight face, Kevin McCarthy says that Magna Republic going to restore faith in our elections. As we say in my faith, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. <laughs> restore, restore faith in our elections. I hear Republicans refuse to accept the results of the 2020 election and the will of the people. 81 million people voted. Some of them dead. Most of them dead. <laughs> and all of them by mail. They lost court case after court case after court case after court case after On no standing. Uh-huh. Even in front of Trump-appointed judges. Which means they didn't even get to see and the court recount case. recount after recount proved the results were accurate. And recounting the same votes. It's become a litmus test in their party to pledge loyalty to Donald Trump by buying into the big lie. Now, I'm serious. You all see it on, oh, on television. Look, the fact is that That's the a lot of them. He tunes I've had into the rallies. Six Republican senators who I've known. For I'd watch just some for Christina Bob. Come to me, and I gave my word I'd never mention names, and I never yeah, yeah. separately, telling me that they agree with this, that, or the other thing that I was proposing. Mm. But if I voted I for it, is. it would cost them their election because they'd lose a primary. Well, you see what's happening. You see the mega Republican program being adapted by all these folks in the primary, and then once they get out of the primary, they're trying like hell to figure out how to get out from under that. 
No, no, I'm serious. You can't let the integrity of our elections be undermined. Democracy can't survive. It cannot survive. Yeah, you're, you're right. We can't let the integrity of our elections be undermined. I, I, I don't know how, Antoinette, I hear you chuckling back there, how one person can legitimately like sit down and look you straight in the eye now, even like the vagina hat wearing cat people and be like, that guy got 81 million votes. And these fucking cackling buffoons that are in the, in the peanut gallery of this, like, <laughs> like, like giggling about it. It's like, you are the most out of touch mm-hmm. fucking retarded people. Or how much did they pay you to go? On the planet. No. These are those 13% vagina hat wearing fucking retards with masks stapled over the fucking air conditioning vents on their cars. Idiots. There's just no way. Like, it's, it's, it's so easy to see now that there's no, you know, they used to talk about all these different things, the machines, ballot harvesting, the mail-in voting, shutting down of the four states, how much Donald Trump was ahead, 2,000 mules, voter rolls, Everything. Mm-hmm. There's just no mathematical way in my brain that I could say that this guy got 81 million votes, that he got 157,000 more votes in Philadelphia than Barack Obama did. Barack Obama, who disliked him and made fun of him the entire presidency. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, totally. That's reasonable. That this guy, who is one of the most unlikable candidates in the history of the Democrat Party... Maybe has voting insecurity. ...destroyed <laughs> Hillary Clinton by 20 million votes? Mm. you got to be fucking kidding me. In, in, in an election where Donald Trump got 13 million more votes than he did in 2016. Like, there's not that, there's not that many more people voting. No. There's not. I mean, you're almost at 200 million people. And you factor in what the kids are, and... All the people that are dead. I mean, that's pretty much best of the rest. Mm. It's it's almost mathematically impossible for this voter turnout to be anything of like it was. And then when you see... Do you think a lot less people are going to vote in the next election or more? I mean, real people. I tell you what, there's no pandemic that's coming around that's going to shut anything down because people... Don't say that. Don't say that. No, no, no. no, Don't say that. It would have to be people dying in the streets for them to do it again. Like, literally. People people won't do it. What about swine monkeypox? No. No, <laughs> Swacky pox. What about what about a swine with a monkey riding on top of it, mm. spreading COVID? That would be anally. Well, obviously, mm. disgusting, <laughs> nasty. So, how, how do you think the monkey's hanging on? I mean, uh, you're making Harambe roll over in his grave. <laughs> Donald Trump sat down with uh, Boomer Sweats, Sean Hannity this week and did an exclusive. It was pretty funny. Uh, our great friend of the show, Erica Knight, negotiated the terms of the interview. And uh, she she messaged me the other day. We were talking about some scheduling. And um, she was like, yeah, I had to uh, – I talked to the big guy today. Or She said, like, I talked to the boss. And I was like, oh, yeah, about what? And she's like, she had me, like, finalize the Hannity interview that's going to be on Wednesday. And I was like, uh, you know, she said uh, – what did she say? Here it is. And then he's like, I'm going to do it in his voice. Erica, don't make me call Sean. <laughs> I guess he doesn't like to keep him because he keeps him on the phone for like a really long time. Mm. And uh, I even wrote it like Trump says it, Erica with like 10 A's. Don't make me do it. <laughs> so he said he was calling her and saying just like make it happen and uh, get him on there. That was on uh, Wednesday. And, you know, they, they talked about. 
a ton of stuff. Um, some of the stuff, you know, Donald Trump's talked about the Mar-a-Lago raid at his rallies, but he hasn't really sat down and, and interviewed with anybody about it yet. And I guess he picked good old boomer sweats to do it. You know, Sean Hannity brings out the most dramatic, uh, like, lead-ins when he asks questions, and that's what, you know, has him going with his ratings. But I did pull that clip where they talk specifically about it, and uh, I wanted to play it for you guys. So... You know, we already heard the clip from Letitia James, and we're now going to hear basically what he told Sean Handy was his initial reaction when he heard that his property was getting raided. Let's talk about where we are right now. We're at Mar-a-Lago. Right. Where were you when you heard that your personal home Golfing. was being raided? Mar-a-Lago. And what did you think? Uh, I was in New Jersey. I got a call in the morning. It was a good call. From somebody that's here, you know, person works. Sir, the FBI just came in. I said, what? The FBI? Who? And they go, the FBI. And I said, knock, knock. How many people? Many, many people, sir. Many, many people. And I couldn't believe it. And they wanted to do it quietly, silently. And I said, what do you mean silent? They're not silent because I watched the way they were so horrible to so many people that you know and that I know that are good people where they just attacked them in the house. And they wanted to do it quietly. And by four o'clock in the afternoon, we started getting little strange calls like from a group called the media, if you've ever heard of them. <laughs> and they said, something strange is happening at Mar-a-Lago. There are people standing at the gates with AK-47s or some kind of a very sophisticated gun. And what's happening at Mar-a-Lago? And when I heard that, I said, well, let's put out a notice that we were attacked or raided or broken in by the FBI. I, was, I couldn't it. believe it. They wanted, they wouldn't allow your lawyers to go with them as they went through no. this entire They wouldn't facility, allow, we sent acres. lawyers to the property. So here's my question. They, but you, they did ask you to turn off your security cameras. That's right. But That's you didn't sketchy. do it. That's right. Will you release those tapes publicly? Well, they've asked me not to do it because they feel the FBI agents might be in physical harm, in danger, because well, you've been there, is a, there is a fervor in this country. This country is so tired of this stuff. They're really, and so they, so I have not done it. You could pixel out their faces to I protect their identity. Yeah, I guess I could do that. Let I, me, just, look, I listened, I said, look, faces. I don't want, mm. I, I really believe the that most faces. of the people within the FBI, out of the top groups, uh, most of the people in the FBI, they probably voted for Trump. I don't want to have anybody hurt. But they came onto the site. They wouldn't allow any legal representation or representation. So they go into the rooms, like my bedroom, my office. They go into the room. Your wife's closet. Wife's closet. Your son's wife's bedroom. Room, uh, my son's bedroom, yeah. There's a picture of Hunter Biden and Barron Trump. Barron looks so innocent, <laughs> and Hunter doesn't look so innocent. They said his room was raided, but his wasn't. No, no it's a, a terrible thing. Mm. He's not saying that he had a picture of them together. He's saying, like, he saw a split screen. Oh, I was about to say, like, why would you have a picture of them? He was commenting uh, on a yeah. meme. <clears throat> yeah, he was commenting on a meme. We had shared it as well. And uh, that that's tough. It would be funny to release some of that video. I mean, not that there's most likely uh, security cameras in Ivana's closet or, or in Baron's his bedroom bed or Baron's bedroom. But, but like, can you like imagine, like... <laughs> one of the one of the views from the outside, and you just see like an FBI agent like go by with his uh, with his vest on, wearing like a big like racetrack hat <laughs> or, or some shit, or them in the like one or of the garages, fuzzy, fuzzy pink robe, swinging his golf clubs. Oh right, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's gonna be that's gonna be a really dark stain that stays in this country for a long time. And uh, he did ask him 
about the the records and you know the the presidential records act and and uh, obviously executive privilege and things like that and and there's a lot of people who forget in between impeachment and after that like the Watergate scandal you know you had the FBI pseudoly go to Bill Clinton's house very nicely and remove a lot of classified evidence in the form of like VHS tapes i believe it was like in his underwear drawers and a lot of people forget that that happened in addition to the uh 14 th- or four, 14 million documents that that he brought with him to uh no I'm sorry 14,000 documents he was 14,000 Barack Obama was 33,000 documents that they brought to their presidential palaces and now sit in in portions of storage at their presidential libraries but let's hear him kind of weigh in on you know what Donald Trump thought was going on when when they were talking about the privilege that he thought he had I think this is the next logical question, because the president of the United States, you, unlike, say, Hillary Clinton in her case, a president has the power to declassify. Correct. Okay. You had said on Truth Social a number of times, you did declassify. I did declassify, yes. Okay. Is there a process? What was your process to declassify? It doesn't have to be a process, as I understand it. You know, there's different people say different things, but as I understand it, there doesn't have to be. If you're the president of the United States, you can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified, even by thinking about it, because you're sending it to Mar-a-Lago or to wherever you're sending it. And there doesn't have to be a process. There can be a process, but there doesn't have to be. You're the president. You make that decision. So when you send it, it's declassified. We, I declassified everything. Now, I declassified things, and we were having a lot of problems with NARA. You know, NARA uh, is a radical left group of people running yep. that thing. And when you send documents over there, I would say there's a very good chance that a lot of those documents will never be seen again. There's also a lot of speculation because of what they did, the severity of the FBI coming and raiding Mar-a-Lago. Were they looking for the Hillary Clinton emails that mm. were deleted, but they are around someplace? Were they looking for the well, wait, spying on Trump? you had it. Did, did no, no, they may be saying, they uh, may have thought that it was that in did. there. Okay. And a lot of people said the only thing that would give the kind of severity that they showed by actually coming in and raiding with many, many people is the Hillary Clinton deal, the Russia, Russia, Russia stuff, or... I mean, there are, there are a number of things. The spying on Trump's campaign. So they spied on my campaign. Mm-hmm. Crossfire hurricane and the Hillary Clinton emails. Just about to say that. Yeah, maybe a couple spoilers of some of the documents that may have actually have been there. Yeah. One of the weirdest things I thought uh, that they talked about was a particular document that was taken. And I don't know, I... I, I had not heard this. You know, we know about the passports, and then obviously there was, like, Time magazines and things like that. But uh, there was something that I think uh, everybody may have missed, and uh, Donald Trump made a little joke about it. Let's hear it. Part two of this question is this. They took your passport. They took your medical records. They took your tax records. And probably the scariest part to me and this is why a broad warrant like this to me would be dangerous. We do have a Fourth Amendment. Um, they also took, what, 500 pages of attorney-client privilege information? Did you, have you gotten that back, by the way? A lot. I don't know. I really don't know. They took yeah. a lot. I think they took my will. I found out yesterday. I said, where is it? Uh, am I in it? I think they took my will. <laughs> could cause a lot of <laughs> no problems. <luck. laughs> no. That could cause a lot of, pe- uh, a lot of problems if that gets published from uh, people that won't <laughs> be so happy or maybe will be very happy. <laughs> okay. But no, I th- His will. Hmm. 
very interesting. And why would it be there? I don't believe that. Yeah, it's uh I don't know. That's I don't know. Hard to believe. Well, unless he left it there. No, and obviously he knew what they were going to do in my opinion. Unless he left it there purposely, I don't know. You you have to think that there were some Trump loyalists that at least gave him a mild yeah. heads up like this might be coming down the pike. Mm. For sure. But I don't know. Um, one of the biggest questions that we all ask each other and ourselves every week, especially on Steak for Breakfast, is we've pointed it out a lot. The amount of damage that's going to been that's been done, and the finite time that Donald Trump now has only one more term uh, to you know serve as president when he comes back in in twenty twenty five. With all the stuff that's gone wrong so far, would it be enough time to make America great again while fixing? the absolute dumpster fire that it's been, you know, turned into. I mean, they're obviously... Well, that's the thing. We're going to see as they as they lose their hold on what they believe to be them being able to secure their position for another four years, we're going to see just the absolute depth charging of America just so he's, he's not going to be able to have anything positive. He's just going to be, like, treading water trying to just, you know, keep the dirt out of the hole the entire time. And who knows if that's going to... Uh, you know, be a trigger for our geopolitical allies to make moves. Yeah. They're already saying North Korea is readying. Another, if we can't have it, nobody can. Yeah, another nuclear test. And then you have Iran, who's getting closer to having uh, nuclear capabilities every day. In addition to that, Russia and China, uh, who have formed, like, kind of, you know, the worst alliance possible uh, for us. But uh, Hannity hit him up with it. And uh, I thought Trump's answer was pretty good. Let's listen to it. For the midterms, and what do you advise candidates. Now, Kevin McCarthy, it's the first time in 28 years that Republicans are doing something similar to the contract with America. He's calling it commitments to America. Uh, he will he will release that publicly on Friday. Um, I think many Senate candidates will also sign on to it. It's your agenda. It's the MAGA agenda. It is the America first agenda which, by the way, Joe Biden gave an entire speech on. Did you see? I know you saw yeah. the speech because you mentioned it in your MAGA. rally. You talked about MAGA. MAGA. And then I said, no, MAGA no, you don't understand. It's make America great again. You Maybe know, you've heard of it. Make America great again. It's under attack. I define my political philosophy um, very simply. I'm a conservative. I'm a registered conservative because right. I'm in New York. Okay. Believe in liberty, freedom, capitalism, our constitution law and order, safety and security, or else you can't pursue happiness. Right. Right? Okay. I want choice in school. We spend more per capita per education right. with the worst results. You talk about it often. I believe in secure borders, legal immigration. Uh, I believe in energy independence. Right. I'd like to see that next step like you talk about for energy we dominance. Okay. I want NATO to pay its fair share, free and fair trade, which you talked a lot about. And I got peace it. through strength. You got to have the best military right. on the face of the earth. We have a lot of bad actors. Um, and I believe that the Supreme Court should interpret the Constitution and not write legislation. Now, and we believe in the First and Second Amendment. That's pretty much sums up who I've been on air. Now, 36 years I've been on radio and 27 at Fox, whatever it is, 26. And that's not conservative. You know what that is? Common sense. I agree. Okay. I often say, are you a conservative? I'm a person with common sense. Strong borders, energy independence, great education, strong military, strong military. All of these things, low taxes, they're going to double, triple your taxes. It's crazy. You know, even from a political standpoint, how crazy is it? My whole life, 
the man who was going to lower taxes always had, or woman, always had the advantage, right, in an election. Today, they're talking about openly we're going to raise. How about you're talking about nuclear weapons, which is the biggest threat in the world today by far. And we have a president at the United Nations today that goes on and talks about global warming <laughs> and climate change. You know, it used to be called global warming, but that wasn't working too well. Global warming. So now they call it well, climate Before change. that, it was global cooling. The next That's ice right. age is coming. Years ago, it was, they thought it was global, uh, cooling. global cooling. But, I mean, we have such problems in this country. And if you look at the Green New Deal, the trillions and trillions of dollars we're spending on this, it's like throwing it out the window. A big reason, by the way, for this inflation. The other big reason is what they allowed to happen to energy. Energy has gone so high, so fast, it was devastating. It lifted everything else. Now everything else has caught up. It's not merely energy. Let me ask you, if you were to run again and win, if you were to win and became president, you know, we would only be able to serve one term. How long do you believe you could get things back to where you had it when you left? Very quickly, except for one thing, millions of people are in our country now that shouldn't be here. Uh, many of them mm. are prisoners. Would you deport them? Criminals. Uh, the bad ones I would deport. Yeah, the bad ones I would deport. Millions and millions of people have, they're poisoning our country. They're poisoning. I'd like to be nice about it. Uh, yesterday, I heard that Venezuela is emptying their prisons out into the United States. I, now, I, saw that I wasn't that shocked because other countries have been doing it, and I've been hearing about it and reading about it and seeing it. So I'm almost surprised it took them so long. But Venezuela is emptying their prison population into the United States, going right through the border like nothing. We're poisoning our country, and it's very hard to come back from that. We can come back. We'll get the oil. We'll get the price down. You know, if we got the price of oil down, Inflation. Putin would stop. I wouldn't even have to talk to him. Mm -hmm. Putin would stop because he wouldn't be able to afford it. He wouldn't be able to go forward. But he's making so much money, even above and beyond the cost of war. Yep. And he's selling it to China, and he's selling it to other places. And Europe is going to dump us. You watch because they're not going to allow their people to freeze. So they're going to dump us. We're out there fighting. We're spending many times more money than them. And they're going to, they will be dumping us. You know, we did one thing very bad. Yeah. We allowed Russia and China to unify. That's a very bad thing. Mm, true story. Yeah. I do like the fact that he says, you know, because there's a game plan, because there's already going to be pieces in place, because they know who they need to fire on, you know, day one. I think getting their hands wrapped back around stuff. But I mean, like, the major city crime and, you know, certain components of the economy um, and definitely education are going to be things that are going to be a little bit longer of a process. Um, you know, and then he talks about the possibility of deporting millions of people, which honestly seems fair and legitimate based off of the fact of who's been able to come in here, mm -hmm. uh, you know, over the course of the last two years. Um, in our last audio clip of the week, I saw, uh, well, Papa Steve was talking about, you know, the destruction of the progressive left and the Democrat Party, starting with this midterm election and moving forward. I thought it was a little bit of a hype reel that we could, uh, you know, end the show on. So let's hear it. 
has all been pulled together. We are converging on forces. This is what political warfare is. It is all coming together. It literally is this audience. You got to volunteer to be a poll worker. What about you got to volunteer to be an election judge. You have to get be a force multiplier to own your vote and get everybody in your thing out there. We have to be like Youngkin with the ninety six percent. We have to outvote their money and we have to outvote their fraud. But it's there. It's right in front of us. And what we have is the ability to destroy the Democratic Party as a national political institution. Mm-hmm. Is all. What do you think, Doyle? I get you kind of hyped. Yeah, I'm down. Antoinette, you like it? Love it. I mean, it was kind of like an up and down week, but they've all been. I, I think the the best part about probably this week, as it is every week on Steak for Breakfast, is our guest content and and you know the the opportunity they have to continue to educate our listenership and and you know get us moving in the right direction to. Uh, Get this right now in just 46 days. Uh, by the end of next week, we'll be in the 30s. And it's coming like a freight train. Um, one little programming note is we're getting ready to hit it out here. I talked to, uh, been trying to get Blake Masters on. I really wanted him to come on with Carrie Lake, I believe, on the 7th of October. And I got a uh, phone call yesterday from his campaign manager. His name's Michael. Great guy. We talked for about 10 minutes. And the fact of the matter was, they are so absolutely throttled right now with this Senate race heading into the debates that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of people dooming online about Blake Masters might not being able to have the fortitude to get it over the finish line in uh, in October, but or I'm sorry, in November. But I, I tell you what, that campaign is energized and they're working really hard. And we also need to key our listenership in. There's going to be 60 some odd days between the end of the election cycle and when everybody gets sworn in and we'll have everybody circling back with us so we're going to try and get them on here in a couple weeks but if it doesn't work out we'll have senator elect masters on nice. at some point during the holiday season so just remember to be out there supporting all of these campaigns and uh you know doing everything we can to help make this country great again better than average way to uh end the week what do you think team i've ended the week worse i've ended the week with less weak insecurity Antoinette, you want to give it a rating? I like it. Um, You know what else I like? That you have the opportunity to listen to the other 171 episodes of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podaddict, Google Podcasts, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank's Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to our amazing guest today. Can't say enough about our great friend Cash Patel and the great segment we have with him. In addition to that, equally as impressive was Theo Wold. He was under the weather today, but surely brought it. And then the Trump-endorsed America First candidate looking to flip Arizona to Mr. Eli Crane. We thank him for his continued service to this country in the form of a... uh, top-tier house race right now. In addition to them, some of our internet friends, Who White Memes, the Patriotic Babes accounts, Ultra Garbaggio, and Christina Baba Save America. Friends, don't forget to get out there and throw some cash at our partners, because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you make small American businesses great again. Speaking of which, my pillow. As I mentioned at the top of the show, my coffee, 25% off if you enter promo code steak, the six-piece towel sets. Can't beat it. 1998. Also, when you enter promo code stake, you get those big, big savings there. MyPillow.com is the website. Forward slash stake for sleep related. And MyStore.com 
forward slash steak for anything coffee related. In addition to that, you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the absolute finest headphones that I've ever owned in my entire life can be only found at Odyssey. You need to get in there and make the investment. Odyssey.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Patriot Cigar Company. They're live. Hit the website, patriotcigar.com. You're going to get 15% off your order when you put in promo code STEAK. Free shipping on orders over $100. e-gift card in every order. It's a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a simple equation for all your gun-related needs, firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. The new to redesign, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Stay ready, gear holsters. Let's see what do we got this week. I would like one of Joe Biden slamming the door and coming back to yell at everybody. <laughs> if you like that image, they will throw it on a concealed carry Kydex holster. They'll get those orders out faster than ever before. Um, StayReadyDeer.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. I'm actually going to man rub some chicken as soon as I get home today. There you go. I got the text from my wife. Hey, in addition to not sleeping at all this week, can you prep the chicken and throw it in the crock pot? Sure. I'll just have a stroke in the meantime. Uh, but <laughs> you know what? Before any of that, I did buy it, shake it, sprinkle it. I will eventually rub it and then throw it in with all the apparatus of choice this week is the crock pot. And uh, later tonight, I'll be throwing it in my mouth and saying num, num, num. Oh. Manrubs.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to like all the gear they've got in their store. You're going to like their Instagram a little bit better. Check it out at MediocreMedic.com. And last but certainly not least, the home of the Zero Fucks Duck. You still don't know. I'm looking at one right now. Dumpbox.us. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on Tuesday. Not bad addition. So far, we've got Peter Navarro, Illinois U.S. House candidate. Another flippable seat right there. Keith Pekow. I think we're going to have Bob Burns, who has a hard reschedule today, a little communication issue. In addition to that, I'm still coordinated. i got to finalize with Blake Masters. We already talked about that today. Mike Collins, John Gibbs, Joe Kent's coming in on a reschedule. Um, we're going to have Alina Habba in here, Trump's personal attorney, in the next few weeks. Boris is coming back. Raheem Kassam's in for show 175 and 200. Confirmed it with him yesterday. But next Tuesday, at least, Peter Navarro and Keith Pekow. We'll be back next Friday. Courtney Geals, Cynthia Hughes of the January 6th Patriot Project, and Mr. Clay Clark. Max Miller and J.R. Majewski will be here on October 4th. We're going to be doing a little Carrie Zona with Carrie Lake on the 7th. And everybody's looking forward to Devin Nunes and Cash Patel on October 14th. Uh, Friends of the Week. Got my big list here. My true social Twitch streamer crew, Beastie Man 420, The Siberian Kitty, Real Lazy Boss, American Nintendo, Suitcase, CSM Master, and Burger Man. In addition to them, some of our other great friends who I've been talking to this week. Some call me Tim79, Thomas Bama, Ghost Hammer. How do we ever forget that guy? He shares everything, comments on everything, and always likes our story or our show launches on Podbean. Tiffany Mendez, great connecting with you this week. And then let's get into the memer community. Mostly peaceful, real Brenda, Gabriel Savage, Namrock Namrock, Grand Old Memes, Not Far Out, Republican Actual 2.0, and the real meme DeLorean. Guys, thanks for remember between now and Tuesday. Hopefully we'll have a nice, uh, well, we got a Trump rally tonight. So at the end of the day, it's a win. And we'll be covering it exclusively on Tuesday. Uh, but number one, do your research. 
Number two, start a podcast. No, I'm showing you the uh, show list order. Oh, nice. Thinking, okay, not getting yelled at. Well, you know, maybe redo the art already, so. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Who doesn't want a big Cash Patel picture? Everybody wants that. Uh, number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We're going to hear tonight at the Trump rally in North Carolina for Ted Budd, Bo Hines, and friends. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 172 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back with 173 on Tuesday. We're going to at least have Keith Pekow and Peter Navarro. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Antoinette. Bye, guys. I like it. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, and take care. That's the future. You're not going to go buy a fleshlight that's an artificial vagina to have sex with. Ugh. <laughs> Talk about gross. You will get in the mail a box with, an, with a physical vagina that's been grown and made that you need a little food package, you feed to it, and it's a self-contained vagina you have sex with. And I'm not trying to be gross here. We'll hear about another thousand uses for this because this is what they're in active development of. UT was studying lab-grown vaginas when I was led into their secret complex 20 years ago for just like an hour. I was just, oh, that's where they're creating artificial vaginas over there. Because above all, these are perverts. Are, do, you, do you get where I'm going with this? Because I can go for thousands of hours on this.